Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of The Scream Lords. As always, this is your host, David Tepfer, and again, this week, I am joined by my two co-hosts, uh, Tim Fenoya. Hey, everyone. Uh, and Nicholas Rivera. The Legion's End draws near. I, I don't even get that reference. I mean, I... I Whenever you, you click on a Draenei, and that's his greeting? I don't, I don't click on Draenei. I thought you were Alliance. I am Alliance, but they never were. It wasn't until WoW that they became Alliance. It wasn't until WoW I knew they existed. No. Oh. Yeah, they they back in the day they were horde. Well, like uh, hmm, horde. They were they were allies with the orcs, like pre entering the gate. It wait, was, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you are you a xenophobe? I'm not a xenophobe. I'm just a. And yet you allow gnomes. No, gnomes are fine. I'm just saying that the original alliances should have been kept. You know, World of Warcraft never should have broken the fact that high elves belonged to the alliance and Drenai were part of the horde. Wow, I don't know if I can be on this podcast anymore. <laughs> I, th- there's nothing wrong with the Drenai. I just maybe, maybe maybe I'm just still holding a grudge from the fact that when High Elves, which they renamed Blood Elves for some god knows reason, uh, when they came out, I was really mad that I couldn't be a High Elf Paladin because I really wanted to be one. Well, have you seen the Lightforged Paladins? They're pretty holy. Uh, I haven't seen them. I'm completely unaware of them having only played World of Warcraft for two days, three days maybe. I mean, having played World of Warcraft three days after taking a like eight year break um, from playing it very, very intensely. But that might be something I have to look up. But just in case anyone who hasn't listened to us before, you might have gotten an inkling of an idea of what this podcast might be about. But we talk about everything kind of pop culture and gaming. So everything from board games, card games, video games, tabletop games... Uh, movies, comic books, anything that we like and finds interesting in the realm of pop culture. Um, so we were just talking a little bit about World of Warcraft. If you're not one of the, what is it, like 8 million people who play? It's probably less now, right? Now that, yeah, yeah it's been a while. Maybe like five. number fluctuates. It fluctuates a lot. Mm. So anyway, so we usually start every podcast by going into our weeks. So starting off this week, uh, Tim, did you have uh, much of a week this week? Uh, not too much of a week. What I ended up doing is mostly just kind of watching some shows and everything that don't really pertain to uh, the show here. Um, and I, But I did pick up Spider-Man last night. Only got to play it for like an hour and a half or so. Um, but if anybody's familiar with Spider-Man, he uh, is Peter Parker, who got bit by a radioactive <laughs> spider. Um, anybody that's familiar with the or unfamiliar with the game, the new Spider-Man, it doesn't seem to really take place within the Marvel, um, kind of the MCU, um, or whatever the case may be in terms of the movies. But it's going to be following its own storyline, and it's kind of cool so far. It pretty much feels like the Arkham series, except with Spider-Man. So it's going to be a lot of um, kind of small missions. Instead of finding like the Riddler things, you end up having like other um, like New York Easter eggs and whatnot. Is it um, made by um, Warner Brothers, though? Uh, no, it is by Insomniac, I believe. Which I know some of the previous Insomniac games, I was actually kind of surprised um, in terms of what they ended up doing, because I know originally they did like Ratchet and Clank, um, and then they did Sunset Overdrive on the Xbox One, which Sunset Overdrive I wasn't a huge fan of, um, personally. Uh, so it's kind of interesting seeing them end up take on something like Spider-Man that feels a lot more um, kind of a, a larger world to kind of play around in than uh, 
something along the lines of like say Sunset Overdrive or Spyro or any of those other ones that they ended up doing. So it's kind of a, a weird break for them. Um, although I know Dave, you played the spot or the Ratchet and Clank games, or was that Jack and Daxter? That uh, was Jack and Daxter. That was oh, okay. I was hardcore into. Because I know um, towards the end, I think like uh, Ratchet and Clank, they ended up doing more open world type things and whatnot. So that may be where they kind of started dipping into that kind of game. Um, but so far, I really like Spider-Man. It's just always fun to end up going back into just traversing the city by slinging around building to building. It's just kind of cool being able to take on different missions and whatnot. And it feels a little bit more like being a superhero in the city now rather than just kind of um, go from point A to point B, do this. Now go from point B to point C, do this. Uh, it's a lot more kind of finding crime and whatnot. I know in the previous games they did it too, but it was a lot of like, here's your three different types of crimes. It's going to be like a car chase. It's going to be like a, a gang fight. And then you just kind of swing around and do it. It's more along the lines of Grand Theft Auto or something like that. Yeah. And while I haven't, I haven't gotten hands on with the game, uh, but I've been following a lot just because, you know, superhero games are notoriously bad. Um, so, Except Spider-Man. Well, right. I know. Like, the, like well, I mean, historically. Not Batman. No, his it, like <clears throat> Spider-Man always seemed to be the one to always be like the top one because no matter what you say about like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man Two is like one of the best games out there when it comes to like superhero and like, they just they nailed right. it. And, so, and and I won't dispute that, but I'd say in like the the last three Spider-Man games, I think were right up there with being pretty awful. Ah, uh, I really enjoyed the last several Spider-Man games. Really? Oh, I, I, yeah. I just couldn't. I, I'm trying to think of um, the last one I played, um, which was like so quick time event heavy, um, and just just had like the most ridiculous failures. Um, I'm trying to remember which one it was, but yeah, I mean, I. I felt like the last couple, they, they didn't get the physics right, swinging didn't feel good, or either didn't feel good, or they cheaped out and just did, you can swing from the skybox and it doesn't matter. Um, uh, I'm trying to figure out which one it was, and, and unfortunately I can't find it. Um, but I mean, famously, yeah, the Spider-Man 2 game was phenomenal, um, and... You know, part of that was because the swinging mechanic was so good because a couple of guys from the the, comp- the uh, production company just stayed after hours and made the swinging really good. And and I know they ended up doing a lot of um, breaks from their normal ones. So like when they did Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions um, or like Friend or Foe or some of the ones where then you start going into the different dimensions of now you have Spider-Man 2099, now you have like Spider-Man Noir, now you have Black Suit Spider-Man. Um, so, I mean, I feel like the Spider-Man games, they always end up doing something fun with them for the most part, uh, especially because they got a little more wacky in terms of pulling in all of the different Spider-Man universe. Or I think it might have been Friend or Foe that then, uh, or it might have been Web of Shadows, where the whole game was either um, your normal Spider-Man or your the symbiote black suit Spider-Man. Uh, so a lot of the stuff ended up being like the morality things and whatnot, kind of Mass Effect style. But they ended up introducing a lot of characters in it where you end up like coming across Wolverine or Moon Knight or uh, naturally Venom or some of the other ones. So it's Spider-Man games have always been fun, if nothing else, just to kind of see some cameos and everything else. 
the bigger Marvel universe. I guess it could be. I mean, maybe the Spider-Man games just aren't for me. I'm not a fan of Spider-Man. So, like, if there isn't, like, really interesting or, like, super solid gameplay, I don't have anything else to keep me in it. Yeah, because, I mean, for you, it's probably, like, the Spider-Man lore or whatnot is not what's going to keep you playing. It's going to be, do I actually have fun with these mechanics? Right. So, like, if you focus on, like, the, the what was it, the uh, Spider-Man Shattered Dimension? Or what was that? Yeah. Um, like, for me, like, that, I, I'm, I, I, I don't know the history behind that storyline or, and, like, seeing other versions of Spider-Man, I'm just gonna, like, eh, I mean, whatever. Um, so it's just, yeah, I, I guess maybe the franchise also just isn't for me, so that might be another reason why I haven't had the super urge to pick up the new Spider-Man, even though everyone says it's great. Yeah, it's definitely, if, even if you're not a huge Spider-Man fan, if you just like that style of game just like open world take on missions and whatnot if you liked the arkham games and you like the batman ones then you'll probably end up liking this um because it, it is awfully similar to it except it just kind of adds its own flair to a lot of things so it's definitely worth checking out if you're on the fence about it but if you just don't like spider-man at all then you, you can probably be fine like not playing it if that's the case but Definitely, if you're on the fence, maybe, just give it a shot. Maybe they can mod it so that it's the ultimate commando or um, ultimate commando, bionic commando. There we go. That's a bionic <laughs> commando game. Then I would play the hell out of it. Dave, you are such a minority. It's almost fun. I love bionic commando. I mean, I didn't love Spencer bionic commando, but I loved like um, when they did the 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 complete remake of the original bionic commando, which was also on the disc. With the most recent Bionic Commando game. That was amazing. They should have just made that again. Or made a sequel to that remake. Because um, I didn't like Spencer the character. But the swinging mechanic was good. And it was pretty fun. I'm sure there are dozens of you out there. There are dozens. dozens. So many dozens that you don't... I can't even come up with more comebacks. There's so many of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... He was popular enough that he ended up in uh, was it Marvel vs. Capcom three or yeah like that that was a poll like when I saw Spencer in it I, I really hope his name's Spencer I'm pretty sure it is um, I, I was like really shocked I, I, the only thing I was mad about is that he's really not my style of character in in that in that style of fighting game like I really wanted to play as him but I just I could not get the hang of him because he's like a weird ranged grapple character yeah. Um, oh, Spencer's oh. his last name. It's Nathan Spencer. Well, shots fired. The only reason I think he made it into that roster is because Capcom was having a hard enough time trying to find non-Street Fighter people. Well, that's that's not fair. <laughs> Sorry. I also don't know why they, they, they changed his, his look so much. Um, I mean, sure, cool artistic direction. I just I just liked... How Nathan Spencer looked in like the re the the rearmed is what they called it, um, and I wish they kind of kept that because there was a weird disconnect. Like if you you got the disc, you play rearmed where he has like he has like a redhead buzz cut, and then it goes into the main game and it's just super different. Um, I also didn't really like the arm design, but um, I don't like yeah. everything else about it. Yeah, so Planet Commando, check it out. <laughs> The uh, the main thing I like about the success of like the Spider-Man game going on right now is just I'm hoping they kind of take that and start doing more superhero properties with it. Um, 
just because aside from Spider-Man, it'd be cool if they ended up doing something along the lines of like Daredevil, or if they did like a Defenders game where you can swap out to like Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil, um, so on and so forth from there. Yeah, I mean, I I think I would like to see studios just take another stab at superhero games. Um, now, my my limited experience with superhero games is mostly the bad ones, um, and then the first Batman game, which um, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum, right? I keep confusing that one and um, Arkham Knight. Um, and the first one was good. I, I dabbled the second one, which I thought was also pretty good. I heard the third one was terrible, so I did not try it at all. Um, it wasn't terrible. It was just, it was okay. It's more of the same thing. Pretty yeah. Much. I was like, I, I kept seeing videos of like all of the car stuff and like car platforming that you had to do. Um, and I, that's what, it seemed like that's what a lot of reviewers were touching on, like how much car stuff you do. And it's like, oh, play Batman, you know, the third one, because you want to be Batman, but instead you just play as a car. I don't know. Well, in the first two, not even first three, it was just so overly saturated, like they had to change it up. Mm. Um, and yeah, it got, it got formulaic. I mean, it was fun, but it seems like now there are so many of those third person action games that are just essentially clones of Batman with like a little Assassin's Creed thrown in. Um, like I was playing a while back the, was it, there was the, the, the like prequel Lord of the Rings game that was like a third person action game, which was essentially just Batman. Like it's, it was the same mechanics. It was just like, Oh, it's Batman in middle earth. That was fun as hell, but that whole thing about like, why am I playing this game? I'm doing this just to do that, just to do this, just to do that again. That caught on real quick. Yeah. Like the combat was fun and like running around middle earth was fun. And like, the combat was interesting it just yeah it was just super repetitive and for a while like after a while i just didn't care and it just yeah yeah i'm hoping um with the new one that they start doing some other stuff at least add some more to it just make it a little bit different especially i think overall it would just be cool to have like a daredevil game just to see how they would incorporate in the whole kind of like the echo location type deal and um his own kind of version of site uh but I know, I think we, we might have talked about it previously. It might not have been on the show when we were just, uh, Square Enix is working for Marvel on their own project. It's the Avengers project hmm. where they're, the last I heard about it, it was going to end up being kind of similar to Destiny, except it's going to be the Avengers characters and you're going to be able to like join teams and take on missions and whatnot, um, that's one of the reasons why I guess why they ended up ending the Marvel uh, I think it was Marvel Heroes the MMO that they had where it was kind of like Diablo style Marvel Heroes I liked it while it lasted but I guess they ended up canning it because they were getting rid of things to uh, start working on their other project um, but I, I don't know how like the Avengers in a, a Destiny style setting would be unless it's just like right trigger to throw cap shield yeah. Over and over and over and over again. Yeah, you know, I for, I completely forgot about that, like Diablo style Marvel MMO. I really liked it while it lasted. Yeah, I played it for a little while. And it was, I mean, it was it was pretty fun. Um, I just found that, I mean, like even like Diablo, like that style of combat gets t- kind of tiresome after a while. Yeah, and plus, I mean, it, it got repetitive. But the the nice thing is that they ended up adding so many characters, especially ones that you wouldn't normally expect to see. Like, you can play as like Squirrel Girl, you can play as like Ultron, you can play as um, 
all sorts of characters. So it's it always was something new to keep you busy on it. It wasn't just nonstop with only like twelve characters to play as. Right, because you'd always swap out and you know have a a variation to your character. Um, and I found that like once you actually started doing their dungeons and got outside of like the main grinding areas, um, that kind of the scripted dungeons were actually pretty fun. Although the they weren't as the parties weren't as structured as much, but the dungeons themselves were pretty fun. And there was quite a bit of voice acting in it, so it was definitely they definitely put a lot of work into it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was the kind of thing that you can team up with a party, but there was it. What it's not like an MMO in terms of well, who's going to be the healer? Who's going mm-hmm. to be the tank? Granted, they had more people in it that can end up taking more damage than others, or like you can technically have like some taunts. Um, but overall, it never really seemed like an organized party. It was just everybody going in just superhero things until they're dead. Right. Um, it was definitely flashy when I was playing a little bit of it as Silver Surfer. Like, like it looked cool. Like Silver Surfer is like literally opening up holes into space, and um, it, yeah, it definitely really kind of gave you that satisfaction when you were playing as the heroes that you liked. Like being able to see the cool things they can do. Yeah, which the thing that I'm just kind of disappointed about is now that they've canceled or kind of ended that one, I don't see them adding all those same characters into the other games, or at least if they do end up doing something like that, it won't be immediately. So even if they do come out with this Avengers Project game like next year or whatever the case is, I highly doubt that they're going to be starting with a roster that includes like Silver Surfer or um, members of like X-Force or all sorts of these other things. Um which is kind of disappointing because it was cool while it lasted to be able to play as like, oh, I have Cable, now I have Psylocke, now I have um, Silver Surfer or so on and so forth. Yeah, you probably won't see many of those fringe characters. Um, yeah. Just because, like, especially if it is, more, I mean, I don't know about the Destiny style, but if it's a more intense and more um, produced game, especially one that's not just free to play, um you might start running into some licensing issues or just the, the complications of creating that many models to that quality. Because when we're talking Diablo style, you don't need super complex character models. Um, but if you're like third person, like really into it, um, it might they might just not be able to put in the work to be able to do all those models. Yeah, so anybody out there, if you're looking for a superhero game or if you just have a PS4 and kind of miss Spider-Man, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Or if you're in the modding community, please make it in Dispenser. Or <laughs> just reskin it as Daredevil. I guess that's true. I mean, how a Daredevil game might be pretty similar to a Spider-Man game outside of, you know, the powers. Yeah, like aside from the webs um, shooters and whatnot, I figure the rest of it's going to be pretty similar in terms of like, I don't know, the actual punching, mm. kicking. I wonder if they imagine can... just 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 play Spider-Man, but close your eyes. <laughs> um, I almost wonder if they could release DLC where it's just like, hey, now you can play as other people, as long as they're in like a similar vein. Like, obviously, they can't patch out like Spider-Man for Iron Man. That would change the game too fundamentally. But like, for for low to mid-tier heroes, like you know, to, to switch it out for Daredevil. Like, anyone with kind of an acrobatic sense to them where they could probably do some wall climbing or, like, jumping stuff. Yeah, or even if they wanted to do other characters from the Spider-Universe, like, throw in Miles Morales or throw in, like, Spider-Gwen or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I thought I heard that they did something with Black Cat in it. I'm not exactly sure what, but I've I've heard rumors about it. Yeah, if so, I have not gotten to it yet, because it is not in the first 30 minutes of the game. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? You, you mean you, you picked it up, like, today slash yesterday, and you haven't, like, beaten most of the game yet? <laughs> yeah. For shame. So, yeah, as far as that, uh, check out Spider-Man. Speaking of the Spider Universe, though, or rather like the Marvel Universe, uh, I just found out that Daredevil Season 3 is dropping this month on Netflix in like two weeks or something, or three weeks. Oh, wow. I, had no I don't idea. know. Yeah, did you watch the previous seasons at all, uh, Dave? Or I, watched, I watched the first season. Um, I kind of fell off in the second season. I think mainly because I had, kind of, um, after the first Daredevil season, I had taken some time to watch um uh jessica jones and after like episode six i really kind of got sick of it and it kind of it kind of put me off the netflix superhero shows for a little bit so i kind of took a break from them so i ended up not going back to the the second daredevil season same i did season one and uh jessica jones and then by the time i finished jessica jones season two came out for daredevil and i'm honestly marveled out there's just too much content and too short of a period of time. Happy for you guys. Super happy for you, but even with like Star Wars, I'm getting burnt out. And it, at least you guys are keeping up with the quality. But I do enjoy that it's different. Some of it, anyway. I liked. I got through Jessica Jones mainly because it was so radically different from all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And that it wasn't just like some guy running down the street beating the shit out of people. You know, cutting like some drama in between. But it was... <clears throat> different enough that it captured my interest and I enjoyed that. Like, I think, Tim, I was talking to you about it, how it'd be really cool. Like, you know, Venom is coming out this week, yada, yada. But what if they made, like, a horror movie for Marvel, kept it entirely within the Marvel universe, but if instead of it being the same Marvel movie that comes out every, like, five months, it's a horror movie this time, instead of just, you know, generic superhero action, I think that would be really cool. And this kind of felt like that, too, because it was more of like a, a thriller action comedy thing. I don't I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I know they have uh, the New Mutants coming up, I think, next spring, next summer. Um, that Definitely the trailer looks like it's leaning more towards kind of a, a horror vibe, um, only because the storyline that they chose from the books is more of kind of a, uh, a thriller than... It is superhero action. I think it's the the Demon Bear Saga or the Devil Bear Saga from uh, New Mutants. I don't know. It's been ages since I've read it. The Solo kept my interest quite a bit because that was a heist movie. And it wasn't your Force Awakens or the newer crap. And even um, Rogue One wasn't your typical Star Wars either. It deferred from the formula just enough that it made it different. I remember. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go, go. Uh, I was just going to say, I remember it after seeing uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, which was kind of like a superhero spy espionage movie mm. that I thought it was going to open the door up to have like superhero genre movies rather than yeah. superheroes being a genre unto themselves. But we haven't really, we haven't seen that yet. And I'm curious if Marvel or if Disney is going to go back and, and look at that because 
um, Winter Soldier was my favorite uh, of the Marvel superhero movies um, because the tone and the style was different um, than we had seen. Um, and yeah, like you said, I would love to see a, a superhero horror film or, or, or something or like really intense drama. Um, and I think there's there's heroes that can pull that off. I mean, even if it's... Well, I'm saying this, but I don't know anything about him from the comic side, but like Ghost Rider... Um, I feel like maybe I don't I don't know I, I've never actually read his comic. He's just Flaming Skull Man, so I thought maybe horror. I don't know. Yeah, he'd he'd be better off in terms of some horror things as opposed to the movie that we ended up getting. Yeah, well, Tim, you are you are the figure and Dan to my Max Rebo when it comes to Star Wars and, and Marvel and the comic book thing. How do you are you burnt out yet? Uh, not yet. Although on the Netflix shows, I'm a little more burnt out just because I feel like they've been releasing them fairly quickly compared to what they were doing like two years ago. Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't even watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I watch like the first two seasons and now it's just way too much to keep up with. And I feel like the quality is not as good as like the Netflix ones. Um, My biggest gripe is on the Netflix ones that there's so much stuff that ends up crossing over into each other that I feel like I still haven't watched the new season of Luke Cage, even though I, I love the first season of Luke Cage, and I love the first two Daredevil seasons. Um, but even then, like I haven't watched season two of Luke Cage yet. I haven't watched season two of Iron Fist yet. Um, so I know that probably in Daredevil, there's going to be some stuff that I'm not going to understand what's going on. Or when then when they end up doing like Defender season two, I'm going to be missing out on stuff. Because I didn't watch Jessica Jones season two, which Jessica Jones season one I was yeah I was okay with, but I was not excited to watch season two, so I'm not clamoring to it. I just want something that stands alone for once. Yeah, I mean, with um, kind of whoever was behind kind of the writing and pitching of that show to Netflix, it seemed like they were just trying to do like a low tier version of the the MCU like AAA films. Um, when it might have been nice if they just tried to do their own thing like when daredevil season one came out we were all super excited and if they just kept doing that maybe that would have been fine rather than trying to do all these crazy tie-ins and bring in extra characters um i don't know if that would have made the show quality any better i know i've certainly heard that iron fist is a mess but would have been curious you know especially with the considering the characters they picked i feel like they could have done some really interesting stuff um but instead we're having these you know huge crossover universes that i think are making things kind of tough um, and I definitely think that, at least from what I've heard, the overall consensus is that people are getting burned out on the shows. Although, although I, I guess they're doing well, so I guess there are there are maybe still people who who really like them. Yeah, so I'll probably end up checking out season three anyway uh, once it ends up dropping this month, especially because I like Daredevil overall. Um, but I, if they end up releasing more, I'm gonna really need to start picking and choosing which ones I end up watching with my limited amount of time I have. Mm. Speaking of shows um, with a limited amount of time, I was unaware that Venture Brothers, the new season, ended up starting, and I guess it started back in August. Oh, I geez. feel like I didn't. Yeah, I feel like it's been so long in between seasons that at this point I don't bother checking it, only because it's like, oh, here's season five, season six will be out in like two years. So I haven't been checking, and all of a sudden I was um, in the hotel and ended up catching a commercial, and there we're talking about this weekend, the new episode of Venture Brothers. I guess it's towards the end of the season. It's been on since August, um, which I'm psyched about, because 
I love that Joe. If you guys, well, you guys have seen it. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I've I've seen most of it. I think the problem was is that I caught it on Cartoon Network almost always after several seasons have ended. So I always kind of got like I got into it like the second or third time around. Um, so I never really got complete season looks, but I've definitely seen most of it. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I think Nick, you were the one who originally showed me Venture Brothers like back in the day. I was um, not. Then I have no idea how I found them. Hmm. I show's not bad, but it, I don't know. It didn't catch my attention too much. Uh, sorry. I actually just growing up, I just really hated Johnny Quest, and because it's a kind of a parody of it, it was almost like a, an instant turnoff. After a couple of episodes, I realized it's not Johnny Quest, and it is much much better, and it is more along the lines of something I would watch, but just I don't know. Hasn't caught my attention. Hmm. I was going to say, I would have figured it would have been kind of up your alley. The writing style is just, I don't know. I've been watching less and less stuff lately. I just mm-hmm. don't really have much interest in watching TV and movies as much as anymore. Just whatever, like, instant things that, like, I, you know, like my exact thing, like Star Wars. I don't know if I'll watch the new Resistance show, but like Rebels, I watched. I watched some of Daredevil. And Rachel's trying to get me to watch a new show periodically. <laughs> She's, hey, do you want to watch Criminal Minds with me? This is the first episode. I'm like, nope. Nope. And then it was like, I I, I humored her just to just to see in the first episode, you know, and it's, have you watched it? Um, I've, I've watched probably most of it. Well, like the first episode, it's just I'm watching it and like I'm going to get so much hate mail for this. But I don't know, like those those um, like crime dramas like I watched CSI Vegas. And that was that was enough for me. Like that's because every show after that is just some kind of reiteration of that between NCIS, you know, all the different CSIs, um, it, uh, Bones. Like you got this supernatural guy that's like house that can look around the room and see like a soda can that was scratched in the top right corner and realize, oh, this guy must have gotten from this place at this time. And let's check surveillance footage from three streets down that that one camera is looking down the street and they're able to see the car and get the license plate. Like shit doesn't phase me. Like I just I it doesn't do it for me and like funny enough rachel's like well you know what about that ship that flies into space from like you know from a landing position and shoots right up to the sky and i'm like i know star wars has like zero sense when it comes to aerodynamics in any of the ships but it's just in the context of like yeah i understand that science fiction none of that's supposed to make sense it's just to be part of the show and i get how criminal minds and csi has all that same thing of like enhancing an image far beyond the point of what technology is capable of it's just uh not 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 for me i mean that's what you have to do though i mean you have to look at all those csi and cis so on so forth shows as science fiction shows even even though they they present what they do as actual things Um, oh yeah no i i totally get it just I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, I couldn't. I couldn't watch CSI New York, and I, I liked some of those. Like, I mean, I watched CSI the Vegas one when it was on because it was new and different at the time. Um, and Criminal Minds, I watched. I was even a, a mild Law and Order fan. Like, if it was on TV, I'd watch it. Um, but I found that CSI New York, like the technology they had and tried to pass off as just like this is just you know the stuff we have today. 
and they would just they 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 basically had the holodeck like from star trek <laughs> and they they would they would go in and it would like pull up like the crime scene room and they could walk around it and look at things and like it would it would be like oh what's that stand on the carpet zoom and enhance and it would like make a hologram of it right in front of his face so he could look at it closely and it was just like what no no i don't i mean there's suspension of di- disbelief in shows and then there's like come on like this is yeah. basically a cartoon that's that's really how i felt about most of those shows and it's just it's tough for me because i don't know like I, i'm open to new concepts but at the same exact time there's just it it's really tough for a show to really snag my interest like i had to sit and force myself to go through daredevil it's a great show well written but just it doesn't it doesn't do it for me no, I get that. You have to you have to have a niche, um, and some yeah. and sometimes story heavy shows are are tough are tough to get through. Um, I'm I'm not even really watching anything right now. I was watching Adventure Time, but I kind of paused at the end of season five just because I'm getting a little a little tired. I was watching Gargoyles a couple of weeks ago. You you'll go back and watch Gargoyles, but you won't watch the new Venture Brothers or even the old know, Venture right? Brothers. Yeah, well, I don't have it. I know Tim does, but I don't like going through his hard drive. Oh, that's true. And you don't want to like jump onto Cartoon Network late at night and like hope that you'll you'll have Venture Brothers on to watch. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like if I had a choice between that and Metalocalypse, I'll, I would choose Metalocalypse. No, oh, that's a good point, Tim. Do you happen to know when? The uh, the Venture Brothers on, by chance, or is or is it just on a streaming service? Uh, it is on Cartoon Network. I think it's on Sundays. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on Sundays at. Let's see. Oh, so evidently the new episodes are Mondays at midnight. Oh, uh, okay. I just I I know you mentioned it started, but I wasn't sure if it was on like one of the the Verve streaming channels or something. No, I know if you go online on Adult Swim, they do all their streaming right from there. Um, but otherwise, now it says it's Monday at midnight. Now, technically, would that be if you stay up Sunday night, it would be Monday at midnight. So, yeah. No, well, or, huh. Or is Monday midnight going into Tuesday? No, it would be Sunday night. Yeah. Into Monday. Uh, okay. Yeah. I always wondered who the the actual twelve midnight, who what day that belonged to. If I if I told you like yeah I got you know I'll be home like Sunday at midnight whatever it's one thing but like to hear an actual like broadcaster say a time I'm going to take it for its word that it's going to be you know Sunday at twelve a.m. meaning Saturday night into Sunday, mm. not Sunday at eleven fifty nine. That'd be disappointing. Yeah, so Venture Brothers, um, check it out, anybody. If you've never seen the show before, uh, find it on Adult Swim, or I know they have it on Hulu for streaming. Um, it's pretty much, as everybody said, it's kind of a parody on Johnny Quest, but it also kind of goes into a lot of the other shows, too. So you have a lot of things coming over from, um, like, there's a character that's pretty much Hunter S. Thompson. There's a Doctor Strange analog in there. Um, so there's a bunch of different pop culture things. 
but it just follows this super science family and the two sons and whatnot and their bodyguard voiced by uh, Patrick Warburton that you probably know from Family Guy as Joe. My, f- um, my favorite voice actor. It's, it's perfect for it. Um, but it's, it's a funny show and it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, just when you start watching it, if anybody starts watching it from season one, just kind of power through. It's only okay in season one. It loses me sometimes, but I came in on season two and it uh, kind of gets its sea legs. And by season three, it's funny. Um, so stick it out. Venture Brothers. The last thing that I had this week that I was going to talk about very briefly, only because it hasn't been released yet, is the movie Apostle. Um, it's hitting Netflix, I believe, on the 12th. Um, so in like 10 days from this recording, it's going to end up hitting Netflix for free. It's a new movie by Gareth Evans. If anybody has ever heard of or seen the the movies of The Raid and The Raid 2. Mm, yeah. Um, so this is going to be his first English language film since uh, I think it was Footsteps or something um, a while back. So it's starring Dan Stevens, who you probably know as the main character from Legion, um, or you might know him from like The Guest um, or Downton Abbey. Uh, but Dan Stevens is, plays just a, a former um, like missionary who ends up getting roped into going into this religious cult to get his sister back and then ends up kind of getting deeper and deeper in with them. And the, uh, the cult is led, I think by Michael Sheen, um, who's one of those guys who's been in a bunch of stuff. If you see his face, like he's been in frost Nixon and, uh, like midnight in Paris and whatnot. Um, but it is going to be interesting. I haven't, I've heard good things about it, but I haven't seen like any sort of, um, trailer to it, but, considering the director and the actors and the previous work, I'm definitely willing to check it out coming into October. Um, especially considering his previous work, like the raid movies, I heard it is a little bit different than those. So don't expect that nonstop action like we had in the raid or like the big fights and everything, but evidently it's supposed to be rather kind of short, brutal violence here and there, um, considering the cult. So I'm, I don't really know what to expect. Um, I think it may be more along the lines in terms of like the, the violence to something like brawl and cell block 99, um, which if either of you guys have seen it with Vince Vaughn is another one of those like kind of slow burn movies with points of very shocking violence. Um, but if you ever saw like wedding crashers and decided, I wonder what Vince Vaughn would be like if he was curb stomping a man, then you might want to watch Cell Block or Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine, um, but it's a little rough. He's one of those actors like Samuel Jackson. You forget he's in the first Jurassic Park. You forget that Vince Vaughn was in the second one. Oh Actually, God, yeah, he was, wasn't one. he? Yep. Huh. This this was before he was known to be like a comedian, so it's a little distracting. Like, oh shit, that's you. Like, it always surprises me with Vince Vaughn, like, going back and watching some movies in the 90s and whatnot. Uh, He'll go from being in, I think, like, Swingers, and then he'll jump over and do, like, the Psycho remake, and then he'll do another, like, dumb comedy, and then he'll go back and do, um, I forgot the name of the movie with him and John Travolta, that um, he ends up playing, like, the new dad to the kid, um, and John Travolta is the the other father who ends up... uh, 
finding out that the guy, oh, domestic disturbance, where he ends up finding out that Vince Vaughn is like a serial killer or something like that. So he tries to like save the family. So it's always weird seeing Vince Vaughn pop up in all these kind of comedies and then see him hop over into all these other movies where you realize, oh yeah, that's he's actually a pretty solid actor outside that. So on on a, a very very weird side note, but semi related. So I was just uh, taking a quick look at at Apostle. Uh, just take a look at it. Did Did you guys know there's a new Halloween movie coming out? Yeah, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because we saw what did, what movie did we see? Um, I don't know. The last couple of movies that we saw had a the trailer for it. Oh, I had no idea and, that there was one coming out. And if you listen to episode one of the podcast this season, I mentioned that the Halloween remake is coming out in October. Oh, oh, we, I guess uh, we, I guess we had a joke about that too, didn't we? About how the the horrible naming convention that Halloween has. Yeah, to, to go in the vein of the Predator and mm. all those fun ones. Right. It's okay, Tim. I don't space out during your segment. I didn't space out. Come on, it was that was. <laughs> Like eight eight weeks ago, eight weeks ago exactly, probably. Um, but I, I I saw the trailer. It looks good, actually. It's been getting a lot of buzz. I know. Um, I think it's this weekend. If anybody's in the Salem area, I'm pretty sure it is October fifth in Salem for the Salem like horror fest or whatever they're going to be doing the Halloween special screening. Yeah, it is. For Salem Horror Fest, they're going to do an early screening of um, the new Halloween movie. <clears throat> and they're actually going to have um, Ryan Turek uh, here for Salem Horror Fest, who ended up working on the film. Um, but he's also known for, if anybody listens to the horror podcast, Shockwaves. He's one of the hosts on that, too. Because um, I know like I listen to it a lot to get kind of like horror news, and he ended up disappearing for a while in, here and there while he was working on the production for it. Um, so, yeah, if anybody's up in the Salem area, it is going to be October 4th um, at 1130 and October 5th at 130 in the morning at Cinema Salem. Uh, they're going to end up doing the screenings for that and I guess a couple other things, too. Uh, so it should be interesting. Yeah, it, it looks good enough. I might, I might actually make a, a trip to go see this. Hmm. Definitely having Jamie Lee Curtis back makes a difference, and Judy Greer's in it. Um, that looks like it might be good, huh? Sorry, I got sidetracked looking at Apostle. Yeah, so um, October twelfth, I'm going to check it out, and I'll see how it is. I'm still waiting to try to watch Mandy with Nicolas Cage um, and a bunch of other things, so I'll try to get to those this week, so at least I can. Uh, report back on them i still have to make my 31 days of october list of uh movies to watch so i can kind of go through all those categories like all the cool kids do so i'll check back on that too better hurry you already lost two days i know now the 20 29 days of october i'm gonna have to watch like three movies a day oh god it's gonna be it's gonna be tight i mean uh, we also have to to plan out our our halloween spooktacular podcast episode so we will we'll definitely have some things in the works for that. Um, hopefully we can we can get a full movie list and games um, and a bunch of recommendations for people for for Halloween. What are you going to dress up as? I'm going to be Bob from Bob's Burgers. Um, I might do a, a a classic, not really classic, a modern classic, uh, and be David S. Pumpkins. 
for a second, I thought you were going to go in a different direction and just be like, yeah, as a classic, I'm just going to be myself, but with a plaid shirt. <laughs> but that, that's most most days of me. <laughs> it's a good costume. Mm, it's not bad. Yeah. But no, I'm thinking David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> Don't encourage them. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Apostle, check it out. I will. Uh, Dave, has there been anything on your radar at all this past week? Um, so, in terms of my week, I haven't done a ton. Um, we happened to, uh, I probably just peaked a little too high there, um, happened to spend the weekend down in Massachusetts with you guys. Um, so we did get a good bit of board gaming play, board game playing in, uh, which we're, we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but the one thing I have gotten into, because now it is October, uh, my favorite time of the year, and one of the things I always look forward to in kind of getting into the Halloween spirit is the shitstorm of scariness. Now, um, if you don't know, um, you should you should find out. Um, so the super best friends are. Um, I don't. Even, I know what, what to call them. They're. They're. I guess they're technically YouTubers. They started on YouTube, um, but they're YouTube let's players. They also have a podcast. Um, they. They're also kind of involved in the, both the the video game fighting game community and in video game uh, production. I know one of the hosts, uh, Matt, is currently working on a side-scrolling beat 'em up game that's been getting some pretty good traction. Um, but they got, they got to start doing YouTube and, and podcasting and I've been watching and following their content for, I don't know, four years now, maybe I kind of jumped in when they first started just about, um, maybe even more than four years. Jeez. Yeah. Probably longer than that. Um, but I've been watching the content, listening to the podcast, huge fan of theirs, but anyway, uh, every October they do their special event called the Shitstorm of scariness. Which is essentially, uh, they take the thirty days of thirty one days of October, and every day in October uh, they release a new let's play of a horror game. Uh, so that's anything from mainstream to weird, super weird sometimes uh, indie ho- uh, horror games, and it is like I love their videos, but their shitstorm videos are amazing. Like just playing sometimes really really crappy horror games. Uh, just provides tons and tons of comedy material, uh, and it's it's just a ton of fun to watch, and it really gets me into the spirit. They're, they, you know, sometimes they even actually play legitimately scary games that I'm not sure I could play by myself. So sometimes it's kind of handy that I get to see and find out about these. What like like what? I'm trying to think. There was one. There was one a couple years ago that was an indie game that was made on the Unity engine that was a kind of walking around a, a cabin. Because um, I'm trying to think. You were trying to... I can't remember the premise of the game, but it all it, the, the entire game took place in this one cabin uh, and doing puzzle solving and stuff. And it had this whole theme about mannequins, which I know that's that's been done, but it was done so well where as you move through the house... It's essentially any time you weren't looking at the mannequins, the mannequins were moving. Nope. And nope. and it wasn't as aggressive as some games where there was um a game not too long ago that was another indie horror game 
where you were trying to escape like a science facility from a monster and the monster could only move if you weren't looking at it. So you had to have like this mechanically you had to have this neat balance of like running and then looking and then running and looking and running and looking doing that. But this is a little bit more like light touch where the mannequins weren't necessarily if you're not looking at them they're going to come kill you. Um, they were just moving around and doing things and interacting with the environment to kind of make the game harder and make some of the puzzles more challenging. But what got me is there was a scene uh, where, and I'm not sure if it was a like an, an intentional death spot or this is just how they get you at times, where you know they're in a room solving a puzzle and then turn around. And then from the sides of the screen, the mannequin's hands just come in and grab your face from behind. Nope, no. <laughs> it was just like it, it, it. You know, I fall for jump scares in movie and video games, but to fall for a jump scare watching someone else play a video game is just on a whole another level. And I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to try and find it. I don't know if I'm going to be successful, um, but I'm. I'm. I'm going to have to try because I'm also really curious to you know give a shout out for that that designer or that that design team that put that game together because man that was terrifying um but yeah so shitstorm of scariness started um i've i've watched the first episode so far which was a kind of weird indie side-scrolling point-and-click game that um i'm not sure what the language it was originally made in and i'm not sure if it's a translation thing or they just knew what they were doing but it is oddly funny. Like, it's kind of creepy, but the dialogue is sometimes just hilariously cheesy. But in a way that you couldn't tell, like... You know, it's it's not it's not like... Um, uh, what's the old uh, rail shooter? Like, um, House of the Dead shooter? Like, not not like... Suffer like G did bad levels of writing. But it's, it's well written. It's just like cheesy, funny dialogue. Um... So I have enjoyed the first episode, and I'm I'm going to be keeping up with that throughout the month. Um, and that that's kind of the main thing I've done this week. Um, so we did play a bunch of games this weekend, like I said. Um, uh, a couple of them were ones that I brought down from my collection. Um, I couldn't help myself, and when I got to Massachusetts, I did visit, visit uh, Battlegrounds. Your uh, your guys, your guys's. I hate grammar. Uh, your your game store and picked up a couple new games. Uh, but a couple I introduced to you. So we we did get to the table playing Castle Panic, which is um, kind of a, a classic. I don't want to say classic because strategy board games aren't that old in general. I think it only went back to like 2003, um, but is a semi-co-op. And one of the few semi-co-ops I've actually played. Uh, so, Nick, what did, what did you think of Castle Panic? It was cute and quick. There wasn't much to it, and um, I'm really, I'm not tired of complicated thorough in-depth game sometimes you really do want just something light and quick and fun and it was it was um simple objective based that just stopped the goblins and orcs and stuff from reaching your castle so sounds easy enough and it got pretty pretty crazy periodically i enjoyed it yeah i think we were pretty unlucky in the beginning like like off off the bat, you, I think we, you you rigged the deck. I didn't. It wasn't even a deck. They're just tokens scattered. You put all the bosses in the pile that you're falling <laughs> from because it was like, oh look, a boss. Oh look, another boss. Oh look, uh, like the hardest 
normal guy that you can possibly get. Well, that's why I let Tim starting start to draw because it was it was ridiculous. Like we we third round um, for anyone who doesn't know the game Castle Panic, you are cooperatively trying to defend your castle in the center of a board while hordes of goblins, orcs, and trolls are kind of coming in from the sides of the board, and they are placed around the board by rolling dice and drawing tokens randomly. And I just so happened to pull all of, like the boss tokens in the first two turns. But then I let Tim starting to draw start to draw, and it was fine. I think, Tim, what, Tim, eh. what did you think? I mean, it, it was real rough coming in because I think you guys, well, you guys, you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the call out. Uh, I think the first like six draws were all like high level trolls all running down my side, and. Not only are we pulling from the monster deck, but then we also have to deal with the deck of like where we're getting our troops from. And oh, look, they're all coming from green, and I'm just pulling red. Yeah, we did have that like super inequality of where they were showing up on the board. Where it's true, we could have just thrown out the red cards. We could have. Um, it's still fun. I, I, I like that. It's the random style and nature of the whole thing drawn from two random piles and never makes this game go by twice the same way and it was because it's so quick and easy to pick up and learn it was enjoyable i liked it bring it bring it over again okay uh yeah i think that's some of the charm of those games like if you're going to have a a board game that's super random make it easy to learn and pretty quick and then it's just kind of like, yeah, oh, like, yeah, cool, that was fun. Like, I don't, it's not enough of a time investment to care how serious it is. Like um, Guillotine, I really like that too. That's true. We did also get a play in of Guillotine, um, which I, you know, the more I play, I really do like it, and I don't traditionally like take that style games where you're just kind of playing cards at your opponent to kind of screw with them, and they're doing it to you, and it's just like this big back and forth. But it's that same thing. It's it, you know, what did you say? That was like twenty minutes. Yeah, about. Um, was it long? And the theme's fun. You know, playing in the was it the French Revolution, and you have the line of French royalty lining up the guillotine to get killed, and you happen to be some horribly mean spirited, borderline evil person who is trying to manipulate the line so that. You're getting certain nobles killed at certain times so that you get more points and the ch- the crowd likes you better. And now, boys and girls, this is actually a kids' game. Yeah, because it's light and goofy, and the art is fun. And um, I mean, it's it's just it's so tongue in cheek that it's you. Yeah, the the theme gets kind of boiled down into a very like cutesy cartoon violence kind of way. Yeah. Although it would be kind of fun to see if someone remade it and changed it to be a much darker theme, like uh, that is that is pushing the boundaries. <laughs> like well, all of a sudden we see uh, Guillotine by Fantasy Flight Games. Now it's super dark, involves Cthulhu, and for some reason there's like two hundred tokens. Well, there's two hundred heads you have to collect. Oh, well, that's true. Each each you know each head is its own token and has points on one side, and then there's like insanity cards for some reason. <laughs> I'm sorry, Fantasy Flight. Sorry, not sorry. Fantasy Flight Games. I'm tired of you. 
Um, I'm trying to think, what else did we play? We played those two. Oh, that's right. Uh, we also played uh, Tim's copy of Marvel Legendary, which is something we don't get to the table nearly enough. Tim, do you kind of want to give us a, a synopsis of Marvel Legendary? Uh, yeah, so pretty much the Marvel Legendary game is a deck-building game similar to, I believe it was Ascension that yeah. we played, Dave, you mentioned before? Yeah, Ascension yeah, so or, or Dominion, if people know that one as well. Yeah, so it's kind of similar to those. It's where you can work cooperatively, uh, cooperatively with the other players at the table to verse kind of the um, automated system of the villain, or in this case the hero. We played the villains edition, um, and then I have a bunch of expansions, so it's kind of like villains and heroes all kind of mixed together. So we ended up versing Apocalypse, um, and then you pretty much end up having Apocalypse have his own win conditions for the game, and then you end up having a plot card that has other win conditions for how uh, the game will end. So in the event that Apocalypse has all his horsemen escape the city, you lose. In the event that the plot card that we ended up having was any of the villains, they can end up capturing the bystanders. And then if they escape the city with the bystanders and kidnap them, if you lose 11 of them, you lose the game. So pretty much we just have to defeat Apocalypse while avoiding all of that. So it's going to be a lot of like you end up having that big bad. Um, that you end up drawing, whether you're playing a villain, and then you end up versing like heroes like Doctor Strange or Nick Fury as the uh, commander, or in the event that you end up drawing um, heroes, you would end up fighting a villain like Apocalypse. Um, but it's you end up adding in different types of heroes and different heroes into your deck. That way everybody draws them and they'll end up doing uh, purchasing of different cards to slowly kind of build up your deck. So in our case, we ended up having like Nightcrawler and Cable um and domino and some other characters so we would end up kind of adding it on and making our own decks to our own flavor of how we wanted to end up playing it and then it's just uh as easy as kind of just defeating different enemies that pop up on the table every turn when you end up drawing new cards and just kind of building on that deck so you could eventually take on the big bad and defeat them enough times to win the game so if you like the marvel franchise or just kind of the ip itself uh, it's definitely cool because they have a ton of different characters you can end up buying out of packs. Um, they have like the whole Spider-Man universe, um, Fantastic Four. I just picked up the champions, so I have like Nova, um, Gwenpool, uh, a bunch of other characters. The totally awesome Hulk, um, the Amadeus Cho one. <laughs> totally awesome Hulk. Yeah, after uh, Bruce Banner ended up um, kind of stopping being the Hulk or... Um, I forgot the lead up, but eventually Hawkeye ended up killing Bruce Banner and killing the Hulk. Um, but leading up to all that, uh, Amadeus Cho ended up taking over as the Hulk, except rather than the Incredible, he became the Totally Awesome Hulk. Um, which, he had his own uh, book line, which was kind of cool. I ended up liking it too, and then he ended up beca- uh, joining, I think it's the Champions or New Champions, I forget. Uh, I didn't end up reading their book, it's on my list. But it's them, Sam Alexander, who's the new Nova um it's like Gwenpool and a bunch of other characters um which if you ever read the book it's kind of fun and plus just reading uh sam alexander himself as his own nova series also super cool but overall like if you like the marvel ip there's a ton of different characters so it's nice to be able to see a lot of them get in love that you wouldn't normally have in these games um and then just if you like deck builders it's a pretty good deck builder as far as like mechanics and whatnot, it's probably nothing you haven't seen before in some of the other deck builders, but it's just kind of a, a nice flavor to a lot of these things. Um, the art's fun and all that. So definitely worth checking out. I don't know how much you guys liked it. Yeah, I'd say... I, oh, just, go ahead. 
I discovered I really do like um, deck builders. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, playing it, I definitely... I mean, I think its high point is its characters. Um, just because every time you play the game, you play with... I think it's four different heroes. Is that right? It's four or five. I think you... Yeah, it's, I think it's five. It depends on the number of players, but I think we ended up having five. But I know between my expansions and the base game, I have something like, I think, I don't know, 40 different heroes. Okay. Um, I mean, each one of those decks, those hero decks, feel very, very different and bring their own mechanic type. Um, I mean, for example, we had uh, Nightcrawler in ours, uh, and he has the teleport mechanic where if he's in your hand, you can ask him actually place him off to the side rather than having to play or discard him. Um, and then, you know, you have Colossus, who's just kind of a big hitter, who can force you to take wounds, but has ways to prevent it. Um, Domino, we had, was just super versatile, and was able to put her, basically put her points in either into buying power to recruit new characters or attack. Um, so the characters feel, feel different, and there is a ton of characters. Um, so you do get that amount of versatility. Um, I always, I always, and I, and I said this when we played, I always just have the feeling every time I play it, um, that I wish I just had a character deck. Like, I know that fundamentally changes the game, but I, I kind of wish I just had that. Um, but I mean, I have that same thing when I play Ascension, where you have like the four different deck or five different deck types that, that are in that game. And I'm always just like, oh man, I'd love to just play this deck. Um, but th- that changes the thing as whole. Well. Um, but overall, I-, I like Marvel Legendary a lot. I think it plays a little bit longer than I'd like it to. Um, and I'm not sure if that's something with the game or if we're just not very good at it. Um, I think we had a lot of kind of ramping up. So we ended up playing a lot more in terms of turns before we finally started attacking the main boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, I didn't know you can just go for it. I thought we had to clear the board before we can hit the boss. Oh, I see. Yeah, I think I forgot that as well, like, at first. Um, and then I remembered, like, oh, right, that's what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, just because it was a while since I had played. Um, so that could have been part of it. I might actually buy the alien one. Really? I have it'd be for myself mm. if you guys want to play cool, but I, I do want to try it out more. Like we have the Harry Potter one, but that one never gets to really see the light of day. Tim's we've been trying for a while to play, but it's just always finding the time to play it. Um, you know, you could mix them, so you could do Aliens and Marvel. It's kind of the weird but nice thing about that. Yeah, the, the, game the legendary ones. Yeah, that I think because um, some of them are. I think versus and some of them are the co-op deck builder ones. So I know some of them can't be included. Like I think street fighter and some others. Yeah. Cause the street fighter one is like fun. Like it's hugely different. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I might pick it up for myself, but I don't know. It's just, it's an IP. I really want to just see what they got going for it. Even though I don't expect to get more than like two or three games out of it. They, I mean, you never know. You, you might, you might get more out of it than you think, especially I find that with co-op games. Um, it's just sometimes people are more willing to play co-op games just because it's a little less aggressive. Mm. Plus, I re- think I remember when I got the the base set for the Marvel Legendary, um, the price wasn't really bad on it. Um, yeah, I don't. That's one thing that's nice about deck builders in general, since it's primarily just like 
a few hundred cards, the price is the price generally isn't bad. Ouch. Although I don't know if it maybe there's a shortage on the one that I originally bought. But Marvel Legendary Villains, the base game is now 140. Uh, it's probably out of print. Yeah, that's rough. That's so. I, I mean, I know. Unfortunately, Upper Deck is is not a much beloved uh, board game publisher, um, and most of their stuff is IP driven. So it, it could be that it's. I mean, it, it might just be a temporary out of print. They might just be working on another print run. Um, I know the same thing happened to me when I was getting Lords of Waterdeep. Um, I was trying to find in-between print runs, and it was just either ridiculously expensive online or you couldn't find it. Um, I know looking, it looks like the the, the standard hero one um, is $50 on Amazon. So, Yeah, which isn't bad. Yeah, and that's and actually, like 600 cards and, and a board, so... Yeah, and the I think it's just definitely the the ones in general because I'm looking at one of the other expansions that I had bought when I bought the villains one, uh, Dark City, mm-hmm. that includes like Apocalypse and Colossus and Cable, Ghost Rider, and that one is looks like it's out of print as well, and it's like eighty five right now on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But all the rest of them that are in print are like eighteen dollars for an expansion, twenty dollars for an expansion. Yeah, that makes sense. It's unfortunate that Amazon doesn't treat products like a regular store and instead price hike it when they know it's it's hard to find. But, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll see the price come down again. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if the villains version of the game is quite as popular as the standard, um, but I'm sure we'll see reprints of it as long as Upper Deck is still supporting it. And uh, if anybody's willing to play it again sometime, I'm actually looking at the new expansion, um, the X-Men one. I guess it's like a bigger expansion than some of the others, but it adds on like epic masterminds. So rather than the normal big bads, uh, you then flip them over and they go into like their um, enraged version uh, or like some other things that escalate difficulty as you continue on through the game. So it looks like it'll actually add on some cool mechanics rather than just more cards. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I did like third. being able to play like the different ones, like we had, you know, uh, Domino, Colossus, Nightcrawler. Like the part of the fun was like finding out more cards and what you can get, and slowly building your deck and shit. Yeah, and I like the fact that, like, since they're not that expensive, buying an expansion here and there for like twenty bucks, or like this one, the X Men one that adds on even more. It's thirty one bucks, which still isn't bad. That I have so many cards in this game now that I can play 15 games and not run into the same stuff. Um, or even if I do run into the same stuff, there's so many different combinations of different things that I may never end up having the same group of cards at the same time. Um, so it's cool to just kind of learn or like find surprising things. Yeah, I mean, I'd definitely be down to play again. But... Um... So let's see. So uh, next up, I'm trying to think what else we've had. So I think the other thing we played. Now, when I was down there, we went to Battlegrounds, uh, your local game store, uh, and I picked up two games. I picked up uh, Robinson Crusoe and Detective, a modern crime board game, maybe. I think it's the subtitle. The subtitle. If you want to look. It is. Yep. It is? Okay. I was going to say, you could just look up Detective, probably, and you would find it. Uh, both games are published by Portal Games and are... Um, at least co-designed by Ignacy Trevicek. Um, so we had a little, like, 
Ignacy uh, game day thing going on. Um, Robinson Crusoe is something I've always, always wanted to have in my collection. Um, and so I was, I was able to pick up the reprint of it. Um, now it's not, it's not a crazy old game or anything. Um, it's just, they had recently, and I think the past, past couple years, they had updated it, um, upgraded some of the components and added some more scenarios to it. So I was very happy to get that. Um, but we did play a game of detective. Um, now for anyone who doesn't know, and you might not know cause detective is still a very, very new game. Um, Detective is a, um, I don't want to say legacy because it's not really, but it is a, a it's a campaign style game um, where some of the decisions you make in your game will carry over to the next one that consists of five different scenarios, which are cases that you and your kind of party are trying to solve. And component wise, it's very, very simple. Uh, each scenario is a deck of 67 cards. You get a board, some tokens, and a little wooden car thing that doesn't seem to matter at all, but it's still kind of move, fun to move from location to location. <laughs> um, no. I know we were, we were playing uh, also with one of Nick's friends, Dave, and you know we he would make the car driving sound, and that was no. that was totally acceptable. I mean, there was honestly no reason behind the car except for the fact that they probably needed to fill an eight by eight board for this game and had nothing else to use it on. So they just put the location so you can move your little car around. Uh, maybe it'll come up in a further case. I don't know. I, I haven't played any other cases yet. Um, but so, yeah, the components are very, very simple. And essentially you're going through this deck of cards, which just has all of the kind of pieces of evidence and scenarios in the crime scene and in the kind of investigation uh, where they present you with the information and it's kind of up to you to figure it out. Um, and it's, it's totally free form. It's just, here's the information, figure it out. Um, so first impression, Nick, what did you think of detective? That was the most unique gaming experience I've ever had. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Uh, I mean, when I played it, I was just like there, I, there's nothing, there's nothing like this I've ever played. There's so many times where I end up saying, like, you can skip something and your life won't be poorer for it, but I really feel like my life is poorer for not being around for this game. Like, it just seems cool. I really wish you were there for it. It was nothing that we've played before. Yeah, the detective really takes the idea of a... I mean, I don't want to say social deduction, because usually when you say social deduction, people think of werewolf or... uh, uh, or, or I guess Mafia is kind of the more mainstream version of, of Werewolf, um, where you're you're just kind of talking and yelling and make accusations at people um, with that style of game. Uh, but it's it is a, a cooperative deduction game where you have to draw your own conclusions. Um, you know, you get to the end of a, a, a investigation, and as Ignacy says in his videos, there is no you win card. Um, you go through the scenario and the story and you try and piece things together and at the end the game prompts you and asks you questions based on what you might have accumulated over the course of the game and scores you um, you know obviously if you do well you probably know what happened and you probably have a really good understanding and are able to answer the questions um, or sometimes like in our case you score pretty badly and, we didn't do that bad. We you, didn't do that bad. And you have no idea. 
I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything in the game because everything is so very, very story-driven and kind of specific. Um, but when it came down to, hey, who killed this guy? Or, or, like, was it person A or person B who killed this guy? We were like, well, we know it's not person A or person B, but we can't tell you who it was. <laughs> Just who it wasn't. But yeah, I mean, it gives each character a role. Like, for example, like, Nick, you are, you were kind of our tech guy. Um, yeah. And you used the, the app. Do you want to, do you want to go into a little bit of what, how the app worked? So it's, it's, a, it's its own website, which was nice. You didn't have to deal with Steam. You didn't have to deal with any kind of weird thing. It's just completely website-based. And then it's sectioned off per case. So you don't have to worry about accidentally searching for something and then pulling up like a spoiler kind of thing. So within case one, um, one of the guys, Marcus Owen, came up. So then if I typed his name into like the search database, it would actually come up with a result. And I can see his entire file and then take it from there as to like, all right, well, here's all the information that we're going to need from it. And then as you dig deeper, um, certain clues will bring up new items that you can compare past items with. So, for instance, like fingerprints, each person has a listed fingerprint associated with their profile that were considered to be like suspects. So if um, a potted plant comes into play and we're not sure, but it has fingerprints on it, um, we can uh, bring it to the lab under our own discretion, which is part of the gameplay mechanic, and um, have the lab analyze it and see, like, well, here's the uh, genetic makeup of all the stuff that was in the vase, you know, when it comes to, like, the dirt and all that. And then um, it'll give you the fingerprints, and then it'll give you, like, a serial number that you could match it to with any possible suspects. And that was another piece of it, too, where um, I just lost my train of thought. So with uh, help me, David, lost my train of thought. Uh, I had it as I would say the sentence, and I wanted to get back to it. <laughs> um, I am not sure where you were trying to go with with linking up the clues. Um, I've, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. Crap. I wish I could help okay. you more than I am. Ah. Uh, but it was uh no it was it was really interesting in that um the clues can help you too depending on like like my whole point like <laughs> that I kept bringing up through the the whole crime scene was at least um you know we had a specific objective in mind and it started down a rabbit hole and the deeper we got the more clues and the more leads that we can possibly take and the whole time I'm just thinking like I don't want to lose sight of of our primary objective because like i don't know if the game wants us to solve a crime or is the crime actually linked with this like are we doing two deeds in one kind of thing and it's so open world and like i think it says on the box too that you break the fourth wall and it's uh i mentioned it to david that it was kind of refreshing instead of playing like all these like science fiction or medieval fantasy or fantasy in general or just like cutesy little like what was it that fruit game that you played with your um oh with your partner fabled fruit yeah like this was based on real world things so our knowledge of you know our previous knowledge of like world war ii came into play you know real human psychology came into play um general forensic um 
knowledge that we may have seen from watching all of those cop dramas and TV shows that we've seen in the past, you know, comes into play. And it was really interesting being able to like, and even at one point or a few points, like it'll tell you like, oh, you know, this has something to do with like, uh, oh, um, not really a spoiler at all because it has nothing to do with the rest of the context. But like he said, that, oh, yeah, it happened on the night of like the 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 launch of the um, the Mariner probe. And then it has like a link where like you can actually Google it and you can find out like, oh, this happened on this specific date. And then you can put two and two together with the rest of the clues. And like, seriously, man, like I've never played anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was neat because each person is essentially given kind of a kind of a role um, where you you're kind of responsible for a different part of the game and you have some responsibilities. So like, well, Nick had the our kind of crime computer database Um the the other person playing Dave was our note taker because while all the cards have all this information on it, um, there's no way you're going to remember the two key things you need from this paragraph of text, um, especially like linking things up. So you you know we had someone taking notes. I was kind of narrating the cards um, and keeping track of kind of our resource tokens and occasionally doing kind of the Google searches for the real world information that we needed. So like Nick mentioned like the the Mariner launch like. It was like, oh, he, he mentioned that this was the same day as the Mariner launch. Okay, well, let's go back. What was that day? So now we can link that up with other information that other witnesses had said and figure that out. Or, like, looking up kind of key historical details about people to kind of get an idea of their personality or things they might have been involved in. Um, so it does. It, it takes place, you know, kind of in this, in kind of the current time, generally. Um and and plays on all of these these historical pieces, um, which is really interesting. And it just, yeah, having it so open ended and just so up to you, it was really refreshing and had so many like aha moments in the game um, that it really it it really got you excited and and almost wanting to to pull like a CSI and like wheel in the whiteboard. And start like drawing and making crazy connections with like thumbtacks and strings. And um, I, I know at one point I, I start looking at Nick and I'm like, Nick, do you have post-it notes? Like we <laughs> we need post-it notes. <laughs> um, uh, and it it it, it does it, it gets you into that mindset. And you know if you've ever you know watched those CSI or Law and Order shows and being like, oh man, it would be so cool to have like a um, like a a like a game version of that uh, now i know they have like csi games and stuff most of them are terrible and they're all terrible i'm sorry um but i would definitely say that detective is the closest thing i've ever felt to like playing detective is you are playing like csi or ncis or criminal minds the game like it, that's what you're doing you're you're playing the show in that style like the cases are similar the way you do it is very similar you're making decisions or you know the, the game is broken down into days and the first case takes place over four days. And you know, I think, I think we ended up playing the game for like four hours, which is like way over what the box says is the time simply because we spent probably a half hour during the first day or the first round, just talking about what we think was going on. Um, and so there was, there was an, a, a degree of like social interaction that, you know, 
you don't see in games in general. I mean, board games are very social, um, and you don't have that level of like social interaction with people and just talking, discussing, like really working your brain to try and figure things out and just kind of the story building. I mean, you you could totally get into character with this game. I remember saying at one point sitting there that I, I felt like I should be wearing like a Sherlock Holmes outfit um, and like really playing this up. Um, you know the the nicest thing too is that there is hardly any board, right? Like component wise, there, there's almost nothing to manage. So you you get this game that that feels complex and feels really deep, but you don't have this huge like, um, uh, oh, I can't think of the word, but um, like like you don't have tons of accounting that you have to do. You don't have all these components that you're managing and moving around. Yet you have tons of depth. In this huge game. Um, I am so excited to play this game more. Um, I, yeah. Like, I play a lot of board games. Like, a lot of board games. And there's very few games that have gotten me as excited as Detective. Um, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a more in-depth review for the blog. I'm going to write, kind of do a full write-up. I might wait until after I play the second scenario. Or the second um, investigation, um, but I'm definitely definitely be doing a, a bigger write up. I'm just so impressed with this game and what Portal Games has put together with it. If you do end up coming down for um, that Salem visit, please visit us for like five hours <laughs> and, and bring and bring that. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, that's that's gonna be great. Um, I just have to plan. I have to plan groups for it because since it is a little tricky to replay. I mean, you certainly could because even though when we played it, we we probably went a little overboard with how many cards we went through. You'll you'll still you'll you won't go through the whole deck in one play. So you could probably play it. You could probably get two plays, maybe three. Um. And still not quite have all of the information. Um, and certainly there's a there's um, kind of like a, a shelf life uh, as to how much you'll remember in later plays. Um, so it's definitely something you could play again. You know, it's not like a legacy game where you have to rep up cards or anything. So you can always go back to it. But yeah, I think that was I think that was the weeks. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to go through from the the past week? Uh, nothing currently springs to mind. No. Okay. Did we did we play something else? Did we? I don't remember. I don't think we did. I thought I could have sworn we did, um, but we I don't I don't think we did. Because okay, we did Castle Panic, mm-hmm. and then we did, then we did Guillotine, and then we did the legendary. Mm-hmm. Our game, and then yeah, yeah, yeah I, I guess that's, I, I know what you mean. I feel like there might have been one more, but no, I think that's right. Yep. Okay. All right. So, if with that being our weeks, um, I think it's time to move into the news. So, in my travels, I discovered that Star Wars is actually going to be returning to the prequels. David, did you want to return to the prequels? Um, no. No, not not, not particularly. In defense of the prequels, 
over the past several you know like what is it like 15 years old and now at this point the 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 prequel trilogy yeah um I'm trying to think so episode what episode two came out when we were in seventh grade so yeah no, no it was um was it? it was uh we, we were freshmen were we freshmen i thought yeah. oh maybe it was episode one was seventh grade i feel like i was yeah. in middle school for that um yeah so probably like 14 years yeah, so uh, Marvel Comics is going to release another um, comic book line. It's still early. They haven't really announced much just yet. But from what I have read, um, it's going to they officially announced the three different eras. So you're going to have the um, Republic era, the um, Rebellion era. Let me find the exact names for it. Um yeah, just and then the resistance era. So it just covers like the. So it's a lot easier to like. Oh, when does this take place? Oh, well, it's going to be you know resistance. Like, all right, so you know it's like Force Unleashed time period, and then so on and so forth. I was just about to ask that. I was like, oh, we're going to touch on Force Unleashed with, which I'm not sure. Do you know if that's canon or not? The Force Unleashed. It's not. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. It kind of mucks with things, considering you know, like Darth Vader's secret apprentice. Yeah, I mean, it It makes sense. I mean, I watched some videos about uh, the Force Unleashed and uh, and how Darth Vader ended up hating the Emperor and secret plots against him kind of thing. Um, mm. It's too bad because it makes sense in, in that line of thinking. Although on a side note, I was, yeah, I was just thinking, you know what would have been really awesome? If, if Anakin ever fought Darth Maul. Trying to think if they ever did. I don't think so. Because they certainly could have. I mean, especially. I mean, Maul was around. Was actually was he around during the Clone Wars? Yeah, of course he was. Maul. Yeah, I actually don't know if they did. Um, I think Obi Wan did mainly, but my, I'm just kind of fuzzy. I don't remember the later episodes of the Clone Wars. Mm. It's just it's been a long time since I've seen it. I know Obi-Wan crossed paths. I just honestly don't remember if Anakin was there. But even then, it wasn't going to be a good fight. It was just like, oh, no, it's you. And then, you know, quick exchange of blows and then Maul runs. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, as much as that might have been cool, um, at the point in time when they could have fought, Maul would have been quite quite a bit older um, and it probably went a great fight, and, th- and there wasn't even a like shared hatred between them. They're like there was essentially nothing between them. Pretty much, they didn't even know each other existed. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. Although apparently, I was kind of scrolling through through some stuff. Apparently, Maul and Darth Vader fought. Um. Not in the new canon. Uh, might be an old comic fan. Yeah, they definitely did. They did fight, but it wasn't. Uh, by the time Maul knew about who Vader was, he was afraid of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because by then, Maul and his brother would have tried taking Palpatine out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Maul was in a bad situation at that point. So. So with this line of comics. Um, so yeah, it's going to be Age of the Republic or Age, yeah, Age of the Republic, Age of the Rebellion, Age of Resistance, and then they're going to have a bunch of <clears throat> so like the Republic one is all prequel based, and it's going to include Qui Gon Jinn, Darth Maul, which I'm really 
excited for the most, just to see what else they can mm-hmm. include. Um, Age of Rebellion, as much as I'm an original trilogy guy, there's only so much more you could cram in that like 30-year time period. And I get to the point where the last five years, pretty much during the actual original trilogy, is kind of capped at this point, because you can practically map out chronologically what Luke does every waking second from each movie. We're not at that point yet, but it, I feel like it's getting there. Yeah, it feels pretty close at this point. Right? So it's going to include Lando, Jabba, and there's more, too. Like, uh, the um, Republic has Qui-Gon, Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, Jango, Anakin. I don't know which Anakin, if it's going to be, like, Attack of the Clones or leading up to after, like, during the Clone War. I hope it's not the Clone War. We already know enough about that one. Count Dooku, um, Padme, and General Grievous. Rebellion will have Lando, Jabba, Han, Boba Fett, which I'm hoping is the story we all want. Mm-hmm. Luke, Moff Tarkin, Leia, and Vader. And the story we all want is the expanded universe. Boba's, Boba lived through the Sarlacc pit. To this day, we don't know that yet with the uh, new expanded universe. All right, because him escaping the Sarlacc isn't canon. Right. So he might not have. Yeah. We know his armor did, but we don't know what happened to him. Hmm. Then, last but not least, the Age of the Resistance, which has Poe Dameron, Finn, Phasma, Rose, Tico, Hux, Ray, Kylo Ren. But they also include Supreme Leader Snoke. And I have a good really? feeling they're probably yeah they're probably going to include that at the very end, which I hope not. But of all comics to read, like Star Wars is burning me out. I don't like the direction they're going in. Right, but. It's, I think a lot of it, too, is just their reservation for holding secrets. Mm. And I don't like having to wait and then piece together things myself. And if you're going to justify The Last Jedi, don't make me wait, like, five years and then finally release a comic book that makes everything, you know, piece everything together. So... Supreme Leader Snoke getting killed off the way he did. Like, some people applauded it. I thought it was kind of a foolish move. Because you're going to build up this guy. In the last six movies, you've had this Emperor figure. We've understood where he's coming from, his reasoning behind everything. And and Star Wars, just, I don't believe, like, well, he's just some powerful guy that happens. Like, well, he managed to sway Kylo. He managed to undermine Luke to the point where he cast himself off from the force like that's pretty fucking manipulative right and we have no idea who he was what his motivations were like we know amp you have this huge we, we we basically went we found the big bad evil guy and just went eh like here he is he's big he's evil and he's dead all right moving yeah. on so with this with this comic tim i don't know if you recognize these guys but greg pack and tom taylor I don't know if they've ever done anything uh, current. Uh, Greg Pack, I know. Uh, Tom Taylor, I'm not familiar with. Because I know Greg Pack actually uh, was Hulk. Well, not he wasn't Hulk, <laughs> but he, <laughs> for a brief amount of time, Greg Pack gave up uh, doing comics and became the Hulk. Um, no, I know he was involved with like Planet Hulk and whatnot, but uh, what was the other name you said? Tom Taylor? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with the name 
Um, evidently, he works on Injustice, the comic book, and The Deep, which Injustice I did end up liking, but I didn't know, like, the name doesn't spring to mind. Um, and The Deep I am not familiar with, but I'm looking at it now, and it seems fun. It seems like a kind of uh, Incredibles-style thing. It's like a family adventure group. But, um, yeah, I've seen his stuff here and there, but I just never knew his name. I guess he did some work on, like, all, the all-new Wolverine 2 with X-23. So, yeah, I've definitely seen his stuff, and it's pretty mm. good, um, if those are the things that he works on. Taylor's doing the Resistance, where it's, um, I just lost the page. Where'd it go? Rick Pack is doing the Rebellion. So um, I, it's coming out soon. I'm looking forward to it. I might actually, I might not actually pick it up. I might just get like the Cliff's notes, mm-hmm. Cliff's notes each week when they release a new issue because there's a lot coming out. That's a ton of characters, and I don't think it's going to be like an omnibus thing where like it's going to include all of them in one go. Um, yeah, I'll, do you? I'll keep an eye out. Yeah. Oh, after you. Hmm. Oh, after you. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I don't know who's publishing it. Um, Marvel. Oh, it is a Marvel book? Yeah, well, Disney owns Marvel. Oh, right. Well, no, but... <laughs> no, 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 but Marvel doesn't actually publish the the books, does it? Yeah, they they did... Like, they were doing the original ones, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought they would have been going through a, like, uh, a publisher that normally does comics, and they would have just kind of funded it I know it's Marvel and uh, Disney which means if it's Marvel they may end up adding them on to the uh, the comicsology at some point only seen or the subscription service seen as uh, Marvel has no qualms about people reading their comics hmm we shall see. Uh, I, I, ever since Disney started buying like Marvel and Star Wars and all of that, uh, the the potential crossovers have gotten very very interesting. Like I know people are still waiting for the new Kingdom Hearts to have like Wolverine and like Luke Skywalker in it. Like I know it's too late for them to kind of add that into the game, seeing as it's pretty much already done anyway and coming out um, before all of that started taking place. But if they end up doing like DLC or do like something else, I would pay so much money to so, have like Sora and Wolverine and everything. So realistically, in Marvel vs. Capcom, we can actually have Darth Vader in that lineup soon. I mean that that's true. I mean, I imagine that would be tr- well. No, I was gonna say I, that, I was gonna say that'd be tricky because he's never been in a fighting game. But I mean, we had Phoenix Wright. So, <laughs> I feel like wait, Phoenix Wright. Phoenix Wright was in fighting games. No, I know. Wait, he was before uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. Oh, uh, I thought you meant like in general. Oh no, no, no. hey, Invader was in at least two fighting games. Thank you. Okay, talking about Soul Calibur. Terex Kasi does and not count. How does it not count? It is a fighting game. It is a game where fights happen. It is not a fighting game. It's fighting adjacent. Fighting adjacent game. <laughs> I just I can't I can't qualify Terrascasi. I mean, okay, okay. It, it is a fighting game. You know, it is a 
a almost soul caliber ish fighting game. It's just man, when you have a fighting game with like homing ranged attacks that are unblockable. That game had potential, but it had it was so broken. I, I wish it, was, it had been better. Uh, uh, moving on. Oh. oh, sorry. Do you have something more? I was just going to say, like, seeing as we mentioned, like, Vader being in the um, in Soul Calibur for the other one, I know the, the new one's coming out, and I'd be interested to see what all the exclusives are. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything about it, actually. Um, or even if they are. I mean, I'm trying to remember, is that something they've always done? I know they've done it at least a few times. Um, I know they did on... Because I'm pretty sure, because they ended up doing, what, like, Hayachi, uh, Link. They did Spawn, Vader, Yoda. So they've done it at least, like, t- two generations worth. Oh, I they did announce it. That's right. And I... Um, I don't know if they've released more than one, but I know one of the character crossovers is going to be um, The Witcher. Yep. Um, which should be good, and it, it you know, or Geralt, sorry. Um, I, it makes a lot of sense, honestly. Um, and it's not quite as wonky as, like, throwing in, like, Link. Um, I mean, I know that was, like, one of the first times they did it, but it felt it felt so weird having Link in there. Oh yeah, it was so much weirder than having Spawn. Well, I mean, I was going to say Spawn, but I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. Or Yoda. Yoda. Yo, Yoda was bad, and and they're always so like imbalanced. Like I remember when uh, the Apprentice from Force Awakens, the, not the Force Awakens. Um, um, <laughs> you just confused them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it called? Unleashed. Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed. Um, he was so broken. Oh, it was so bad. He was like the most unbalanced character. He probably had to be. Uh, I don't know. I mean, anytime you you provide like you do waiting on a character in a, a video game or a fighting game just because of his history and the fact that it's a guest just feels so wrong. Um, I remember I hated fighting against him, uh, which kind of sucked because I kind of I I did kind of like the Force Unleashed games. Um. So I was kind of sad, but it reminds me of when um, Roger Rabbit was being made. Disney and Warner Brothers had that only cooperation with each other, and like you can see Bugs Bunny and um, Mickey Mouse on the same like in the same screen. Yeah, and their only stipulation was that they had to be on screen at the same time for the same amount of time. Because then it becomes like a Wreck-It Ralph thing where, like, well, we want Zangief to be on the screen longer than, like, the Mortal Kombat guy. Like, while the Mortal Kombat guy, he he has to be on the screen for at least five seconds. Like, well, then why can't Zangief be on there for six seconds, you know? And it goes back and forth, and it was just a pain in the ass. I mean, besides the fact that Zangief is just a more interesting character. Like, I remember, I loved playing the Street Fighter V storyline, a uh, story um, campaign, which is, like, the, the full six-hour narrative where you switch characters. Zangief was amazing, and the fact that it's now canon that Zangief can stop bullets by flexing is the best thing that's ever been written, ever. Um, man, I, I love Zangief now that he's he's no longer a bad guy. He's like bad guy adjacent. Um, <laughs> Jason getting a lot of work this episode. 
Well, it, it all started with WoW, with you know our guild being just guild adjacent. Um, because <laughs> he's he's not he he's essentially on the good guys now, which is a big shift for him. Um, so he's now just kind of like the goofy McMuscle face, which is I, I I love him now. He's great. I love his new kind of character design in terms of like his personality. Um. I'd watch a show based on him. On Zangief? So would I. You know, you, yeah. you could do a whole show uh, because, um, what's her name? The wrestling character from Street Fighter V. Um, yeah, it's a new chick. Well, no, she's old, actually. Oh, is she? Yeah. Um, was she, like, Third Strike or something? Uh, I think she was Second Impact. Impact. Uh, one of the... Because I was going to say, I know there was, like, a bunch of the, the in-between ones that I just didn't end up playing yeah um i i think she was one of the ones that a lot of people who weren't like crazy in the street fighter missed out on um but yeah it's armika um because now in the oh she was in street fighter alpha 3 that's what it was hmm. um oh she also appears in street fighter 2 turbo um really yeah apparently oh so supposedly she has a minor role in street fighter 2 turbo ah. um no love for uh street fighter ex3 are they never going to end up bringing back uh, any of those characters Um, I mean the game wasn't much beloved I mean I loved it I liked uh, Volcano Rosso and uh, Kyrie what was was the other guy Skullamania well Skullamania is in um, so there's a new new game coming out that is Capcom adjacent um (laughs) (laughs) Um, that is being put out um, by someone who worked on, uh, I believe, worked on Street Fighter Four. Um, it's oh, that's right. It's I think it's called the like Fight Generation. Oh no, um, or oh, what is it called? I'm trying to remember. But so there's a new game coming out um, with someone who worked on Street Fighter Four and the Street Fighter franchise that is coming out with a lot of these fringe characters like Skullamania. Um, and I'm trying, I'm really trying to find it. Um, like, I know you didn't like EX3, but I just have very fond memories of years ago visiting grandparents and finding that at like a video store and my brother and I playing that game for a while. Cause all the characters are just like wacky and don't feel like they would have been in a Street Fighter game for around that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just, it was so, it, it really was, it was so weird and so different for, to put, like, I think it would have been better if it just wasn't a Street Fighter game. Yeah, I could see that. Um, if they wanted to, to make it something completely different, I would have understood. It's just throwing Street Fighter on that game felt very, very strange. Um, and yeah, so I just found it. So it's called Fighting EX Layer. Um, made by someone who did work on the Capcom team for the Street Fighter 4. Um, so it has it has Kyrie, it has Skullamania, um, it has a bunch of Volca- uh, Volcano Rosso, um, a bunch of people I've never heard of, like Alan Snyder, Jack, Hayate, Shadowgeist. Um, I have no idea who any of these people are, but... I know that I know. Apparently, there is a there is a like sub community that loves Skullamania, um, and I know there there's actually a lot of people very excited about fighting Ex Layer. It actually has some really unique mechanics built into it. 
Um, and it has kind of that Street Fighter V look with like 3D models on a 2D plane. Um, actually, some of these look really cool, like Garuda. It's kind of like a a fire werewolf kind of guy. Um, yeah. Um, I know they've been demoing it at conventions, and supposedly it's it's pretty good. Uh, to bring up the Super Best Friends again, they're very big in the the fighting game community, and they've been hands on with it, and have also liked it. Um, I, I believe that they kind of talked about it being a simpler to play, or I think a simpler to play fighting game, but had some really unique mechanics um, in terms of kind of taking groove selection to a, a more customizable place. Um, so, we'll see. I'm curious about that. I have no idea how we got on this, but... Neither do I. Yeah, but that's... Terrence Kasi and um, Darth Vader. Uh, I was going to say, cause like, so that's my preview of Fighting X Layer, I guess. I don't know how we got here. But, but yeah, before we get too far off the path, I was about to bring up like when you were talking about 3D fighters. I'm like, do you remember Flying Dragon on the N64? Not even a little. Well, <laughs> Google it. It's, it's fun. <laughs> what is it again? Flying Dragon. Flying. Like a lot. I remember a lot of the characters from that felt more like Street Fighter EX3. Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea what this is. Huh. Well, anybody that remembers it out there, it was just a fun like N64 fighting game. But the cool thing was you can end up uh, going into different things and like getting money to buy different equipment and whatnot for your character. So it was cool to have a little bit different stuff game to game rather than just your normal standard fighting game. Mm-hmm. But, but not to get too off topic with Flying Dragon, go Google it. Check it out. Um so next, Star Wars. Yeah, so that's Star Wars. <laughs> Transition into the end. All right. <laughs> uh, next up on my list is... Um, <laughs> so I told you about the Nintendo Classic I got, right? You did. And I, and I modded it and all that. Well, they're making another one. Another Nintendo Classic? Uh, uh, sort of. Well, yes and no. Um I actually heard that they're making the N64 classic that will be coming soon. What? And they're yeah, and they're going to be making not from Nintendo obviously, but Sony decided that it wanted its um, hand in the pot, and they're making the PlayStation classic. I feel like that's not old enough to warrant a, a mini re-release. Of the PS1? Yeah, I'd be excited about it. Some of the stuff they're putting out, they're putting like Final Fantasy VII, I think Resident Evil. Resident Evil 2. But on- not, not yet. Um, they've only announced five. Let me actually, you know what? I'm going to Google it now because the last time I saw it, this was actually supposed to be on last week's, but um, we ran really uh, late on time, so I wasn't able to see what was available for it yet. Uh, I- but the five games announced are Final Fantasy 7, Jumping Flash, R4, uh, Ridge Racer Type 4, Tekken 3, and Wild Arms. There's still 15 more games that's not announced yet, and it's in high speculation as to what it's possibly going to be. Might be Resident Evil 1, 2. Um, definitely, I'd be shocked if Tomb Raider wasn't on there. I'd like Legend of Dragoon. But it's up in the air. It's not going to be online capable, so you can't download new games, which I don't really would want to. 
Hmm. But it's going to come with the actual... Oh, hold on, let me double check something. I think it actually comes with the legit... No, never mind. Um, the PlayStation 1 controllers are actually USB, from the looks of it. Yeah, it seems that way. It'd be cool if they ended up doing, like, Soul Reaver or Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid probably will... I mean, I'm almost assured like, it will be on there. And Dave, you could always hold out hope for Parappa the Rappa. Um, that's probably... Honestly, that's probably going to be on there. That's true. That was a big hit when it came out. Mm-hmm. The only limitation would be that this is the original PlayStation 1 controller. So no dual analog and no DualShock 1 capability. So it has to be only with the D-pad and that's it. So a whole lot of RPGs. I mean, the only... I mean, I am not... To get out of the way, I am not the target audience for this. Um... Mm. Because Dave doesn't play games. No, I do play games. I just I don't I don't understand nostalgia. The attraction of this when I can play nearly all of those games on my computer anyway. I well, think play, the the counterpoint, um, piracy and all that good stuff aside, it's actually really difficult to play PlayStation One games on the computer. It's not impossible, but. You do have to know what you're doing. Well, no, I mean, a lot of them are even just available on Steam. Well, I think also the issue is a lot of them aren't very well optimized on Steam. I know, like, there were a lot of complaints about the Final Fantasy VII port and whatnot for a long time. So I think it's just they're hoping that it's going to be super easy to just pick up the classic and just play these games without having any of that jank. Yeah, and these are the these aren't remasters or anything like that. These are original as is. Right. And over the course of time a lot of those had lost their original quality. Like even like playing the Nintendo classic, I haven't played original Mario One in at least like fifteen years because they've always found some kind of like way to remaster it. And even like the Super Nintendo Mario All Stars, that's not the original Mario that we grew up with with the original Nintendo. They it was kind of like a remaster because it had better graphics and sprites, but it wasn't the same. I I, I guess I just don't see it. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, especially with the PlayStation, you can. I mean, not even including piracy, you can play most of these games right now as it is. Um, well, I think it's also the convenience of not everybody. Even not even having like a gaming PC, not everybody necessarily has a PC that they play games on. Or if it's like younger kids or um, whatnot, that you can just spend a hundred bucks get this console that already has all these games all in one place. Although I would, I, I plan on. Although I would doubt that a younger kid would ever pick this up. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's more nostalgia for the crowd that was younger during that time. Mm. I do, I do plan on modding it and. Um, Adding the entire library, but what? No, you can't do that with PlayStation. I withdraw that. Wait, why no, can't? But you? at least it's it's too big. Oh, because I was gonna <laughs> say like on uh, like ras- uh, ras- uh, Raspberry Pi, Cherry Pi, Pi, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you could. Yeah, no, you definitely can. I'm not saying that. It's just the limitations of that would be much larger than. It's a lot easier to fit the entire. Um, I can practically fit all of the Nintendo games in a single text message to you. Right. 
in terms of size. PlayStation, on the other hand, those are still like three, four hundred meg mm-hmm. each, the very, the very least. And Metal Gear had two ga- uh, two discs. How many did Final Fantasy have? Uh, Final Fantasy know? Seven, I think, was four. Yeah, so I mean, it, it adds up really quick. Hmm. I, I'm excited for it. I'm gonna go for it. I mean, I wanted the Nintendo Classic. The su- I still plan on getting the Super Nintendo, and ideally, I want to just make like customizable, like self-contained units of just everything that ever was available for that one specific console, you know? I know Raspberry Pi can do it, but just the novelty, too, of just, like, it's a really well-made plastic case. The controllers, I ended up getting a wireless one, but still, I mean, I enjoy it. Because the the, the 12-inch long cable just wasn't doing it for you? Hell no. (laughs) That was the most hilarious thing when you brought it out, and it's like, oh, and the wire on the controller is to scale. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, legit. It's like a foot and a half long. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's pretty. It it's kind of worthless. Um, but it's USB, so you can get an extender for it pretty easily. No, it is not. What do you mean? It's it's not. I I thought it was the Nintendo. The Nintendo one is not USB. Oh, yeah. The Nintendo one is the same adapter thing that the uh, Wiimote uses. Oh. Okay. They do make adapters, but you do have to buy them. And this is a pain in the ass. Yeah, they they did it not the easy way. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I knew we used to sit pretty close to the TV back in the day, but this is just pushing it, man. Yeah. I remember in my day when we'd have four guys crowded around a tube TV to play four-screen Halo. I still don't know how we did that. Yeah. Or even, you go back further with the original PlayStation, and you'd have to, like, ask one of your friends, hey, can you bring that, what was it, what was it called, the splitter, which you could add another two players? The multi-tap. Oh, multi-tap, there it is. Oh, man. Ah, the old days. Well, things were nostalgic, but arguably worse. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I love it. I would love to have all those. I would love to play a lot of those games again for the first time and be able to experience it. Now, there's still so many of the classics I haven't played um, yeah. that I'm, like, still trying to get around to. Like, I'm still trying to get around to playing, like, the, the the first few, like, Final Fantasy games, which I have on Steam. I just haven't gotten around to them. Some games I don't know if I can ever actually play again. Right? Yeah. Just that so much time has passed that it's a little tough to play now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd be able to pull it off and playing it because it's like I don't I don't see modern audiences enjoying some games with just quality between quality of life and not even graphics aside, but just I don't see some people enjoying like the original Resident Evil or even two, which is like, you, what do you mean I can't shoot and move at the same time? Like, that's just the way the game was. Yeah, because I mean, like, granted, there were so many things, like, if we were to go back and play, like, Super Mario World or something, I think it still holds up only because it used that generation's mechanics and whatnot really well and made use of the system. But if you go back and play, like, the early PlayStation and whatnot, where they're still getting all the kinks out of doing, like, 3D movement or all of that kind of stuff, it doesn't hold up as well. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. That going back, pixel-based games are, would probably be way easier than early 3D. Early 3D was a train wreck. Like, 
you know, recently I, I saw some videos of, like, the first Tomb Raider game. And, man, that that game was a mess. Um, but it was, hey, well, compared to now. Well, right. Which, and, well, it, and You know, it, honestly, I didn't even like the graphics back then. <laughs> I know, like, the early, th- early 3D I did not like compared to what we had currently had in, you know, pixel, like, sprite-based graphics. Um, we had great-looking sprites, and early 3D looked bad. Like, I, you know, I look at, like, Final Fantasy VII now, and it's like, Cloud is literally just, like, eight polygons. Like, with a pretty, like, bad texture just kind of layered on top of them. Yeah, but that music score... And going back the first time and, like, leaving the city and then realizing, oh, there's a whole world map? I mean, I'm I'm not saying that the, any of those games are bad. I mean... Graphically, though. But, uh, <laughs> graphically, they look terrible. Um, and... It was it was weird with like Tomb Raider, especially when you're going from these incredibly smooth sprite based platformers to the third person like early 3D platformer, and I mean it feeling clunky. I mean, I I can't remember who it was, but when the PlayStation was new and Tomb Raider was new, I remember playing with uh like kind of someone was showing me the game and they were kind of telling me that you can gauge jumps in the game because because it was early 3D, like, everything was broken down into squares. And you could figure out almost like it was just a big tile set, like you're playing a tabletop game. And you could figure out how many squares away things were to figure out your jumps. And just, like, the collision detection on, like, grabbing walls to climb up was wonky and... I mean, it's true. Back then, it was it was probably amazing. I never played it back then, but looking at it now, it's just like, oh, man, it's amazing. Like we kept going with it and tried to figure it out rather than just being like, nope, this is bad. All right. Um, but speaking of consoles, um, there's actually a, a really a really cool uh, board game. Thing I'm not even really sure to call it a board game uh, that's coming out. So uh, publisher Yellow, who I believe is owned by Asmodee Games, just came out with what they're calling the 8-bit box. Um, the subtitle on that is the first generation board game console. So they've they've kind of taken... So like a table? <laughs> no, so they've taken an interesting perspective where basically they have created a board gaming console. So... Um, you have a board game. You have you have, a, you have your box, right? And you essentially have four controllers with the box that are, that that kind of look like like a PlayStation controller almost. Um, but essentially, they have uh, various dials on them as well as kind of component trackers. And what their thought process was is that they've created um, essentially a universal game board and gaming components that can be used with a multitude of games. So the 8-bit box contains three different games that you can play using the same components, um, like the, the same components, cards, and pieces. Huh. Um, so that you can go out and buy the, the 8-bit box, and essentially you're getting three ga- board games for the price and complexity of components of one board game, um, with the thought process that they would be releasing more games that you can play using all of the parts from the 8-bit box without having to go out and buy a brand new game. 
Uh, mm. And I mean, it's it's a fascinating concept. I don't. I haven't seen the eight bit box in person. It does come out on October twenty fifth, um, and you know all the games in the eight bit box range from three to six players, um, going from age six and up. So there's you know there, it's it's definitely younger, probably younger focused um, on the game complexity. But I'm I'm really curious to take a look at it. Um, it's a a really neat idea to try and do this kind of thing with a board game or board games, um, and even if they can kind of get maybe other, maybe not other publishers, because that's, you know, it's kind of cutthroaty. That'd be like saying Capcom making a game for Namco. Um, but if you could get maybe some indie developers or indie designers on board to make games for the 8-bit box, um, or even if it does well, if Yellow keeps making games for it, um, it, it could be a neat, a neat little strategy. Uh, what do you what do you guys think of it? It reminds me too much of that like twenty games in one box where I like chess checkers, Parcheesi. Oh, cetera, like those those old like board game tower things that would like flip out and had different boards on it and like the the cupboards and stuff. Yeah, and without any kind of like. Mm-hmm. A more in-depth kind of explanation as to what they're going to be doing with it. Like it's a little too open-ended for me. Mm-hmm. I am not its target audience. You for it, David? I, I'm I'm interested in it. I just don't know how it how good it could be. Um, I mean, it's not unusual for designers to create a game based around set components. Uh, and in fact, a lot of publishers will go out to the the design community and have basically challenges and, you know, for like $10, you will buy a box from the publisher that is all of the components that you can use within your design and you have to create a game, and then they'll pick one, and then they'll publish it. So it's mm. it's not unusual for designers to to create a game within those boundaries. So I think something good could be made from this. Um, it, it just I think it's a matter of who they get signed onto it, and what the intention. I mean, going going with the eight bit box name, it sounds like you're going to have some early video game themed board games like one of the games is called Pixoid which looks a lot like a like a one versus all Pac-Man game mm. which could be fun. I mean, I could see that I could see that working or being interesting. Um Oh, you know what? I just We did play another game. We played that Jurassic Park game. Oh, that doesn't really count, but yeah, it's true. Um only cuz only cuz we reviewed it and all that and did you like it? I did like it quite a bit. The, the reason I thought about it is because I was looking at the Pixard game and the, the asymmetry of, of, you know, you have multiple pieces going after one just reminded me of it. Yeah. So I, I am curious. I, I would... 
I would like to try a demo of it. I really hope that if Quarterstaff Games in Burlington gets a copy or a few copies, that I'm able to go and try it out because I'm very curious to see how this would work. Mm. And if the price point is right, like if it's like $50 and you get three light games in it, I could I could see that working. Um, especially since I'm, I'm looking at some of the components more closely and it looks like the like quote-unquote controllers you have are kind of a hidden pre-planned movement kind of thing. So if you... Um, I know you guys know the, the X-Wing game by Fantasy Flight yeah. uh, where it has the dials where you can pre-plan where you're going to be moving for the next turn. Mm-hmm. The controllers, that, the quote-unquote controllers that they have basically do that where you can select kind of directions with the dials as well as numbers uh, which I'm sure interact in a variety of ways with the different games. Um, so there's there's some interesting things. I'm 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 I am optimistic and curious, but at the same time, I don't I don't know if it'll be great. So, but uh, but that's the that's the eight bit box. Uh, something to something to look out for, just as kind of something new coming to the board gaming industry, uh, and maybe something that that might that might be changing some stuff, or at least kind of coming out with a new genre of games i'm gonna wait for your review on it yeah i'll probably take a look as long as the price point isn't like 80 plus dollars well eventually it would be well i mean they won't change the base one i mean you can you'd buy the 8-bit box with three games and then you could probably buy more games or probably like a 20 dollar like expansion almost but at the same time though yeah the expansions is what's gonna get you that's true yeah, I don't know. I mean, using the same formula as a video game console is... I mean, it's a novel idea, at the least. I'm curious to see how it pans out for them. Um, and Yellow certainly has a reputation of making really quality products. So, if anyone was going to try it, I think Yellow could probably do it best just because of their style of game. If Fantasy Flight was doing it, I would be terrified that it was going to have 6 million tokens in it. Well, you got to swap out all the buttons, and then you gotta you gotta do a bunch of stuff. And it has you know six and a half pounds of miniatures that aren't in any kind of container. Um. <laughs> all right, uh, next up, Tim. Uh, what do you have on the docket for news? Uh, I was recently reading an article that Dance Dance Revolution is getting its own movie. Yeah, finally. <laughs> That's what I've been waiting for all these years. Is it, hot, is it just like Footloose? Uh, I think it's going to be hot off the heels of Breaking to Electric Boogaloo. I actually uh, would watch that if it was based on Footloose. But instead of, you know, the town and all that, it's like the modern era. And it's just like the guy wants to date the girl, but he has to get good at DDR. Teaches a little town how to have fun through like the local arcade again or something. Yeah, yeah. Like it'll be one of those like save the rec center type movies. Like we all have to dance, dance revolution to raise money for the arcade. But I assume it's probably not going to be like that. They the article makes it sound like they're working on something amazing. Um, where they're talking about like we're so glad we had like this production team on it they're on like the cutting edge of all this stuff and i'm like i don't know if you really need to break out the big guns for a dance dance revolution movie 
Um, I'm expecting along the lines of like, I don't know, Pixels or the Battleship movie. Um, but I mean, if it's if they end up doing something intense, maybe it'll be like Fast and the Furious with Dance Dance Revolution. They have to put an undercover cop in an arcade, and he has to like Dance Dance Revolution against Vin Diesel. I don't know. For from some of the stuff I've seen, um, I've, I've also keep seeing a a subtitle being tossed around online uh, called Dance or Die. Um, I think that might lose me more. But what if it's a horror movie? <laughs> it they got me. Saw with dancing. Um, <laughs> so just looking a little bit more into it, they have some bits. There's very little about what this is about, um, except that it sounds like this is a like an end-of-the-world kind of movie where the world is going to be destroyed unless people can come together and learn how to defeat something through the power of dance. Isn't that a Futurama episode? Um, I mean, a lot of things are Futurama episodes. I'm, miss- I'm mixing up two of them. Never mind. The one where like they did the anime thing, and Zoidberg knew like the dance of peace. No one else was able to do it. <laughs> I don't remember. And then coupled that. out with like when New York, New New York, gets attacked by Donkey Kong and the Space Invaders. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'll probably, like, I'm not going to the theaters to see it, but I just kind of want to keep an eye out. I just want to see what this trailer is going to look like but, for it. But, I mean, a train wreck? maybe we should go see it in theaters, though. I mean... Let me know let, let me know how it is. I mean, really, we could go and, like, really do it up. We could go play DDR in the movie theater lobby and then go and watch the DDR movie. I feel like Dave plays it fast and loose with our free time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's let's take a shot just for giggles and go watch this. Hey, let's just check this out for eight hours and you know, just just for jokes. Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean I, I can recall recently one of the times I came down to visit you guys, you asked me if I wanted to see Suicide Squad. So I mean that's that's basically on the same tier. It's Academy Award winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> the one defense it has. We won an Academy Award. Wait, for what? Makeup. And, and, and even that award, I'm still like, really? You won for makeup? All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure on how exactly that won for makeup. Like, it was okay, but I wouldn't really put it up there. I'm sure there's some you know, lower budget, like some mid-tier horror films out there that had some better you know, movie monsters. Yeah. Yeah. At least, uh, actually, for that matter, that means DC can say that they have more Oscar-winning films in the DC universe than Marvel does. Yeah, but a lot of good that does compared to the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Marvel Studios will be crying on their mountain of money. All I can think of is that one GIF from Zombieland of uh, Woody Harrelson <laughs> like wiping his tears with the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a feeling that's pretty much how it is right now. They're like, oh, man, that must be rough. We don't have anything to put on our shelf except all this money. Except all, all of these gold bars. Yeah. So. I think it'll uh, it'll be 
interesting to see how many more video game movies they do off video games that really don't set themselves up to be easily filmed. Like, I guess, I think at some point after Battleship was done, there was talk that the uh, the rights were bought for, like, Monopoly. Wasn't Real Steel supposed to be, like, Rock'em Sock'em Robots 2? Was it? Uh, possibly, and it might have just been a rights thing that they're, like, fine, whatever. I liked Real Steel. As a boxing movie, it was fucking good. I wasn't a fan of the kid in it, and I thought I kind of dragged it down. But then they ended up making, like, a... Um, it was like a little like $20, $15 Xbox or, uh, 360 arcade game. And that was good. That that was really fun. I it's remember I played that forever. Yeah, it's just your typical boxing game, but you can customize your boxer to the point where like swapping out the arms, better armor for the body, you know, faster legs. Like it was really in-depth for a, uh, like a movie-to-video game release. Yeah. And plus, I loved some of the default uh, robots that they had in the game that you fight. Like, there was one guy just called Noisy Boy. And I just love the name so much that that's just become, like, the go-to name of any character in a game that I just, I don't know who it is, but he keeps fighting me. Um, so, on a, on a side note, to, to recap slightly. So, Marvel uh, DC movies have actually won four Oscars. Because um, the Batman ones? Um, yeah, and the and Superman, the old school Superman. Um, whereas Marvel what? only has one Oscar from Spider Man Two. What's um, Superman got best score? Um, so this is from original Superman the movie, and I believe it's actually best special effects. Yeah, visual well, effects. I did. I did believe a man could fly. So, yeah. Um, Which I think is 50% Christopher Reeve and, and the rest special effects. That's true. It was nominated for Best Score, but uh, won on Best Visual Effects. Has John Williams ever won? No, I take that back. He probably did, but it was probably for like his serious movies like Schindler's List or Saving Private Ryan. Not, or, not, no, he didn't just say Not the stuff he's known for. Yeah. Um, he's actually won a ton. Um from like you said, Schindler's List, E.T., Star Wars Episode Four, Jaws, uh, Fiddler, Last Jedi. Um, he won for Last Jedi. He, oh no, he was a nominee. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, bunch of nominees. Yeah, so those were those were his win. Uh, yeah, he did win for for Jaws and um, Star Wars Episode Four. Um, in terms of non-serious movies, so yeah, tons of nominations. I hope so. Mm. Yeah, so it's good stuff all around. Yeah, D- Dance Dance Revolution, the movie. Yeah, Dance or Die. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that. I hope that's really the. Like the subtitle to that. I, I hope it is. I hope it's Dance Dance Revolution Dance or Die. With like the, the like bleeding letters and everything. I actually kind of hope that the movie does well just so they can end up having like a resurgence of DDR on like home consoles. It was, I still got my pads. I can jump right back in. Yeah, because like 
aside from buying the the 360 ones and whatnot, seen as everything has gone the way of like Just Dance, where you have to have like the camera and it doesn't, it's not matching arrows. It's just oh, it'll just kind of look at your movements and uh, tell you if you're on target to it. Like uh, yeah, I don't really care about that. Like give me the the actual ones with like the pads and the arrows and the old school stuff. Or I just like DDR for like, I mean, not all of it was, but like the semi-obscure techno music. Yeah. Like, these weren't songs you've probably ever heard of. But... Well, you, uh, you've never heard Tarzan and Jane by Toy Box before uh, one of the DDR games? I'm, I'm not even sure if I know it now. Um, it's, uh, it sounds like, kind of like Aqua. Uh, okay, I always liked Aqua. Didn't didn't most of DDR's songs just sound like Aqua? No, they had some like really hard techno in there. Did it? Yeah, uh, I'm not. I don't like DDR, so I mean, <gasps> Nick, does that mean that you're you're not going to come to our DDR dancer die party? Nope. Oh. Let me know how it goes. Come on, nope. there'll be DDR there. <laughs> oh, now that you say that. Well, when you say it that way. Yeah, I tried. So, yeah, so uh, check it out. The I know the other thing that I was taking a look at recently, um, not DDR-based, but Google is teaming up with Ubisoft right now to work on testing out their streaming for games. Um, so pretty much what they're doing is the, the new Assassin's Creed or uh, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey, they're doing some kind of stress tests and test runs on having the game being run like server side and then having everything just streamed to your console, um, which should be kind of interesting because I know a lot of the ones they're talking about is keeping normal consoles going forward, but also having the options or having ones that are going to be streaming. Uh, so everything, it's not really going to rely on the quality of the console. It's going to be everything will be ported to you. Um, I don't know the specifics to a lot of it, to like the technical side of it just yet, because I'm still kind of reading up on some of the other ones that they've been releasing on it. But it sounds like it's going to need pretty decent internet to be able to get a streaming console off the ground. Because the tests, they're going to stream the game from their servers to um, like your in or, uh, for like Chrome browsers on your desktop or laptops. Um, starting on Friday. So you can go to their website and sign up to see if you can get into the testing for it. Um, and then you can just kind of play the game from there without actually having to have the game downloaded or store the game on your system. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, but I know my internet has always been pretty decent, but I never trust it enough that I would want to play a game entirely streaming through it. Um, only because I'd rather just have the better quality rather than the convenience and lesser quality by having it streamed. You know, EA got a lot of shit for having an always online SimCity and having to f- play all their games online only, even the single player stuff. I'm not a fan. I don't like the direction sometimes where technology is going. With like, oh, everything has to be online. Like, well, does it have to be? I get to download it, but not to uh, actually have to just constantly. Like, what if? What if the? I mean, yeah, if the power goes out, you're not going to be able to play anything anyway. But 
just don't really enjoy that. Yeah, well, I mean, EA did it to try and prevent or combat piracy because they were so terrified of it. Um, mm. So that way they could they could have all sorts of authenticity checks um, with forcing you to be online all the time. Um, I'm I'm not sure what is behind this thought process. Um, I mean, video game streaming. I I just I don't see the demand for it. I mean, Steam is arguably, maybe not even arguably, the most successful um, digital game kind of retailer slash platform. Um, and people seem perfectly fine with downloading games. Um, I mean, is this is is this like a a move to to combat like people with lower performance PCs? Um, I mean, I know, you know, it was kind of neat when, uh, I first went and downloaded WoW for the first time and, you know, World of Warcraft now at this point is a 50 gig download. Um, and they built into the download process that you can start playing the game while it's still downloading, effectively streaming it. Um, and that was actually really incredible. Um, so I didn't have to wait, you know, like eight, you know, eight to 10 hours on a 50 gig download. Um, and I can kind of play right away. And I mean, essentially I only had to wait, what, like 25 minutes and I could play. Um, and that, that worked really well, but to have an entire service where it's streaming, I guess I don't, I don't see the point. Um, Tim, what did, what did you think when you first saw this? Overall, it's, I don't really know just yet kind of the, the target audience for it or kind of what they're looking to do with it. Um, I know also they're talking about how what they're going to end up doing is you could increase the quality or enable like high resolution for it by just having the, the disc in um, or installing the game and then kind of using their streaming to just kind of add to it. But I mean, if you already, if you already have it installed and you already have the disc, then are you not just playing the game? Um, like I'm still trying to figure out the the reasoning behind it. So if anybody knows exactly why streaming's becoming the next big thing that everybody's trying to work towards on these, please let me know. Um, inform me. I am very misinformed about why we're getting away from uh, having everything on your console. Yeah, and I mean digital. You know, digital downloads fine. I mean I don't need a disc actually i hate having a disc but streaming uh i don't i don't quite i don't quite follow oh well well i mean we'll have to see how it goes i mean if they do in fact roll out with this um you know there's probably few tech giants that could figure this out better than google um ubisoft i'm i've never been much of a fan of ubisoft so eh but um, we will we'll have to see how it goes. We'll have to keep tabs on that one. Just like the 8-bit box. Have to remember that. You let me know how that goes, David. I will let you know. <laughs> Don't you worry. You know what? You know keep what? Us, we'll, keep us posted. Yeah. We'll have it we'll have it at the DDR Dancer Die Party. And um if you want to trade the 8-bit box, you'll have to come down to our DDR dance party, Dancer Die. Dance dance the diest. Diest the dance. 
will be held at the Milford Rec in uh, Connecticut. <laughs> right there, David. I will be the first one in line. You can tell me all about it. All right, we'll 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 get on that. I'm trying to think of more dance dance or die kind of puns. Wasn't there like Dance of the Dead? Wasn't that a movie? It was. It was actually pretty good. See, see, and we'll have that movie there too, Nick. So now you got to go because you know he's. You know, I'm, he, he knows I'm not going, right? Oh, I'm not on mute. Oops, shit. Oh, ha ha. You're going to the DDR Dancer Die Party whenever that's released. <laughs> and we're going to play. Cool, I got, I got time to uh, leave the country. Oh, I see. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the, my, my DDR pads over, and you're going to have to practice. And we're going to stream it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and I think that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Um, so I, I hope you enjoyed listening this week to episode 8 of The Scream Lords. Uh, if you want to stay in contact with us, you can actually send us an email directly to the show at podcast at thescreamingbrain.com. That's podcast at thescreamingbrain.com. Uh, you can also keep up with our blog and website at, the, at www.thescreamingbrain.com. Um, we are also on Twitter at One Screaming Brain, on Instagram at The Screaming Brain, and Facebook uh, at The Screaming Brain Games. Uh, Nick, if anyone wanted to get in contact with you, how they how could they do that? I am on Instagram. You could find me at Czar Nicholas One. And just remember to send all of your "I hate you" because you hate CSI mail to uh, Nicholas. Yes, please. <laughs> you can feel free to DM me. And it's uh, pretty quiet, so please, by all means. Sometimes I like to just rustle the jimmies just to mm-hmm. see what kind of uh, responses I get. Uh, and Tim, if anyone wanted to reach you, how would they do that? Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at Mr. Time, M-I-S-T-E-R. On Twitter, you can find me at Mr. Time, 80 Awesome. And if you did happen to like what you've just listened to, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, leaving a review helps everyone else find us and listen to us and come to our DDR dance or die parties. <laughs> that it sounds too desperate. If you want to review us, go ahead. If you don't, I mean, we don't, we don't. Care. But you won't be invited to the dance or die parties. So I mean, that's yeah. If you want to go to the dance or die parties, told you. Well, how else are they going to know where it is in the coordination? Well, I mean, they can just listen and and probably come to the the dance or die. Maybe. I have to, I have to coordinate this. I'll make a <laughs> Facebook event. It'll be great. It'll be in like two years, but we'll see how this goes. All right, anyway, all right. Thank you for listening, and have a good morning, day, evening, night, midnight, midday, whenever whenever you listen to this. Have a good night. Good night, Bye. everyone. I was kind of disappointed because I was going to bring up that I was watching the uh, that Jerry Seinfeld show recently. You, oh, you mean uh, Seinfeld? Yeah. Hulu recommended it. I'm really getting into it.